You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Hey, Lamar Jackson, can we please take it easy? I only have so many gift certificates going around right now, and I have to get you another one for your performance last night for my fantasy football team, being the general that you are. Five touchdowns. I don't care about the 212 yards. Yeah, that's not a lot, but I don't care. Five touchdowns. Definitely the top right now to be the MVP of the NFL. And just another reminder of why the Baltimore Ravens, I believe, are definitely the team to beat in the AFC, even though I still have the Patriots going to the Super Bowl for my original prediction. Joined today by... Action Sports Jacks Marcel Robinson ended up trading out Brent, so unfortunately not a lot of golf talk today. But I think as far as the aesthetic is concerned, we upgraded ourselves a little bit. Marcel, how we doing, man? You know, I was told there needed to be a little bit more swag and a little bit more style in this season. Okay. So I just figured I'd slide on in and offer offer what I can. So for those watching at home, you can see obviously what he's rocking right now. For those just listening, let me go and quick paint a quick quick picture here. Uh, I see we're rocking some pink today, a little baseball uh, long sleeve shirt. I, I respect it. But the glasses. I mean, you're, you're kind of the man known from Action Sports Jacks to rock the glasses all the time. Are those like Bret Hart glasses? Do you, do you know what Bret Hart even is? I do. These, okay. are, these are actually not, um, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure where I got them from. Okay. Um, I am going to have to wind back a little bit. This is actually a coral shirt. Forgive me. Three-quarter sleeve. Forgive match, me. To match my coral pants. Oh, I see. I, I didn't course. see the pants either. And w- w- the way the light hits, you know, a little bit of a coral tint. Okay. On the ABA <laughs> and then the shoes, too. You got to show off the shoes just real Just whites. Quick. Just regular whites. But, like, are those brand new, or do you just keep them really clean? Oh, I wash my shoes. You wash your shoes. Oh, okay. Yeah, every two weeks. I mean, I, I mean, have you seen my shoes? <laughs> they've, they've seen better days. But, obviously, I'm leading off with a big story today, and that's Lamar Jackson to me, man. I mean, the guy's been doing it all year, and I get it. The New York Jets, nothing to write home about, but it's Thursday night football. Anything can happen. And in my opinion, Lamar Jackson showed why he's going to be the MVP this year. I mean, this, this dude is just incredible. I mean, there's, it, it's so tough and it's so funny. Some people still say it's like something we've never seen before. Yeah. Um, but we have, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, with Michael Vick, which we'll get into later. But, I mean, this dude is just, I mean, what do you do? Mm-hmm. I mean, open and drive the game, 23 yards to break Michael Vick's record. I say he's going to get in the sixth plays. You know, he, he bobbles a snap. And then turns it into a positive play. The dude is just unstoppable. He can throw. He can beat you throwing. He can run, uh, making plays. That that uh touchdown, his first touchdown pass on the goal line. Yeah, just zipped it right off his fingertips. And, and listen, and I get it right now. I mean, obviously he's he's the hot thing. You know that that offense that they're charging, they're firing all cylinders right now, and they're the team uh, to watch right now in the NFL. And I feel like sometimes we get so caught up in these narratives. I remember the Chiefs from last year with Mahomes, you know, breaking all the records. I remember the Rams from last year with the RPO offense, you know, kind of being the game changer that, that they were with Sean McVay. But at the end of the day, they didn't go to the Super Bowl, yeah. right? Well, I'm sorry, the, the Rams did, but they didn't win the Super Bowl. Right, the Patriots right. did. So uh, I guess the, the, the main question here that I'm taking away from all this is, and once again, I'm saying the Patriots still going to the Super Bowl because I may have said it when the season started. But you can't deny that the Ravens have talent, and you can't deny that the, t- that the Ravens are built for the playoffs. I guess the biggest question is, from what you've seen so far, 
are they the Super Bowl contenders? And it will it be an upset if somebody beats them. Uh, I don't necessarily think it would be an upset just because we've seen this narrative before. Mm-hmm. Like you said with the Rams, we've seen teams blow through the regular season, and it just looks like look they're on a collision course to hoisting the Lombardi Trophy at you know the first weekend in February. But I wouldn't necessarily say it's an upset, but if they don't win it, I would be surprised. I mean, yeah. from what I've seen from them, they're clicking on all cylinders, both sides of the ball. Um, this offense is just incredible. I mean, uh, Mark Ingram's, you know, resurgence, yeah. so to speak. Sure. Um, which I can I can honestly say I didn't see coming. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he wasn't necessarily, you know, a scrub in New Orleans. but Well, he, let's be honest. I mean, he was kind of lost behind Alvin Kamara exactly, a little bit, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, with that and, and also, I mean, we got to give credit to that defense, man. I think the, with the addition of picking up Mark, Marcus Peters, they restored, you know, a little bit of swagger that they may have lost in the past. Yeah. And, and on, on both sides of the ball, I mean, you got Lamar and, and the personnel. These guys are just out there having fun. And there are a few things more dangerous in a team that's just coming out there having fun and beating you to sleep. And that's kind of a testament to who they are. Obviously, on offense, they're very talented, but also on defense, right? Because you have a defense who lost a lot of key additions, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, the, they lost Terrell Suggs. They lost C.J. Mosley. And then those guys are, you know, those guys are staples on any team. Right. And the fact that I feel like the the culture that John Harbaugh has established there in Baltimore, you know, it's almost greater than the sum of its parts, where you, you can afford to lose a guy like Terrell Suggs. You can afford to lose a guy in his prime like C.J. Mosley and then replace those guys, and you're not going to miss a step. And, and for the most part, which is probably the biggest surprise to me, even bigger surprise than Lamar Jackson, is the way their defense is playing. Well, yeah, they gave up some plays here and there, but overall, I think they're the real deal. And I guess going forward, and I we just compared it. We, we compared them to the Rams. We compared them to the hype of the Chiefs from last year. But to me, this is a different type of offense in the fact that they can beat you so many different ways. Yeah. And it's predicated off the run game. Now, I know you're saying, Austin, well, so is the Rams last year. I mean, Todd Gurley really got that offense going. There's a reason why the Rams aren't doing so well this year. Um, and it might have a direct correlation to Todd Gurley not getting going in the first part of the season. But I just feel like, and of course, everybody can stay healthy here for the Ravens. I just feel like they have so many different ways to beat you. They can out-physical you. They can out-maneuver you. They have the speed. Um, and I'm talking about they can run up the middle. They can run up the sides. They can do everything. And then there's such a well-oiled machine where it's almost to the fact of even like a great defense like the Patriots, um, even like if the Steelers for some reason would meet them in the playoffs. Like I just I cannot see a team keeping up with them on defense. And then if you switch over, like. Well, let's go back last year real quick to the Chiefs and Patriots, right? And even last year, the Patriots' defense was pretty solid. The Chiefs played the Patriots the first, uh, you know, the first time in the regular season, and the Chiefs had a field day uh, right. on the Patriots, right? right? So the Patriots come back in the playoffs. They play at Arrowhead, and Belichick has, you know, his genius game plan set up. And granted, uh, the, 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 I think this Patriots, uh, I'm sorry, the Chiefs still scored like 30 something points, and people would say, well, it was a good offensive day. But if you go back and watch that film, the Patriots did a great job of shutting down the homes for the right. most part, right? Right, right? So now let's think about this Ravens offense quick, where I, I just can't see any kind of team shutting them down to the point where they're not going to score 30-something points a game. And then guess what? Something that the Chiefs didn't have last year, something that the Rams maybe didn't really have last year as well, is they have a legit defense in Baltimore. So from that perspective, I think it's going to be just a, a clear road to the Super Bowl for the Ravens. And see, so you just kind of kind – of- Got to my point a little bit about it too, because with the way the NFL is, it's it, and obviously you know it, the NFL has a funny way of figuring everything out. Like it, it, it's very difficult to beat a team the same way, you know, obviously two times in a row, especially once you get to the postseason. Like you just said with yeah. the with the Patriots and the Chiefs, I'm sort of, um, I would probably say for the first half of the season with Lamar Jackson, I'm like, okay, 
you know, I've seen this before. You know, someone at some point someone's going to figure this out. They Correct. have to because it always happens, and it just seems that no matter. I mean, look at the te- some of the teams that they're beating. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just. It just seems that they're clicking on all cylinders and they're playing their game. Like they're not adjusting to anything else. And I don't even know if it's necessarily a fact of teams know how to stop it, but it's just, you just can't. Well, and to be fair, you know, we're talking about, uh, the offensive coordinator, uh, from the Ravens, Roman. Well, he was in San Francisco with the, the whole, the whole Kaepernick era, right? And the Kaepernick hype. And there was a few seasons where Colin Kaepernick was the it guy, mm-hmm. right? That they ran that read option and, and nobody could stop him. I, I distinctly remember watching Colin Kaepernick run for 200 yards in Lambeau Field in like 10 degree weather and absolutely tore the Green Bay Packers apart. So we have kind of seen this story before a little bit and teams got hip to the game. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, Kaepernick kind of fell off a little bit, and now Granny's going through all the other stuff as well, but you kind of saw a lapse in his play just because teams got hit to the game of stopping that quarterback read option. I just feel like with this Ravens offense now, what you're seeing, where they can, and I say it all the time, they can beat you on every single level, where in San Francisco, they couldn't really do that. They can beat you with Mark Ingram up the middle. They can beat you with Lamar Jackson on the side. They can beat you with Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then they got Hollywood Brown when he's healthy, one of the fastest guys in the NFL, taking the top off. As a defense, it's just hard to stop all those guys. And if you're Bill Belichick, if you're a defensive-minded genius, you know, I'm trying to think of, even like Mike Tomlin and his whole system, they're on a pretty good defense, but it's just the fact that it's not like the Chiefs where you can shut down Kelsey and then you know you can try to take away Tyreek Hill. With this system, it's like, yeah, you can shut down Mark Andrews, you can shut down Mark Ingram, but there's still going to be people exposed. And from that perspective, I, I just feel like the Ravens are, are definitely obviously the front runner uh, to go to the Super Bowl, and they should win it pending they play good football down the line here. But you actually brought up a great point, and you mentioned Michael Vick, right? And we both grew up on Michael Vick. How old are you again? If you don't mind me 30. asking, 30. 30. See, and I'm 31. So, you know, Michael Vick was obviously super influential on me, as I assume he is to you, because you're, you're a big Falcons fan. Oh, yeah, he's my first favorite player. Exactly. So, I mean, are we seeing really the – and it's funny because we have Peter King on the show. And Peter King even said that he thinks right now where Lamar Jackson's at, right now, he's better than Michael Vick. I think it's up for debate a little bit, but are we are we starting to see the second incarnation of Mike Vick? And I'm not saying just obviously he's a dual threat quarterback. We get that point, but I'm saying just from a mainstream standpoint. I'm saying from the Nike commercials. I'm saying from his own cleats. I'm saying from every single kid, no matter what kind of fan they are, no matter who their team is, is going to be rocking a Lamar Jackson jersey. Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, 100%. I think yeah. Lamar Jackson is definitely the next coming of the, you know, NFL quarter. Like, one of the, obviously we have Mina, we have, you know, Pat Mahomes and Russell Wilson still kind of hanging on, but I think Lamar Jackson is by far definitely going to be one of the new faces of the NFL. And in regards to, uh, Peter King saying he's better than Michael Vick right now, is, I'll be honest with you, I can, I can make a case to say, yeah, he, he might be, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, just from what I've seen from Vick so much, he was, he was always a great runner, great athlete on the field, no matter who they play. But week in and week out, he didn't make some of the throws that Lamar Jackson is making. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, the play that um, Lamar Jackson threw on, on the sideline or um, t- the touchdown on the goal line, he scrambled out. Michael Vick's running that play. He's like, I'm yeah. beating you to the corner because I'm faster than you and anybody you have. I'm beating you to the corner. As opposed to, to pulling back and just you know firing a dart in there. Yeah. I just feel like Lamar's he's so into the in tune with the game yeah. as far as he's not trying to make more of what something is. 
Um, he's obviously taking what the defense gives him uh, because well, with Lamar Jackson, you have to give up something. Yeah. But I would say as of right now, I mean, and he does have a few more weapons. I'm not going to lie. I mean, Mike, Michael Vick had no work done. Algie Crumpler, mm-hmm. Malcolm Jenkins, all those guys. But as far as is he better right now because he's so young in the game, I mean, we've barely seen him scratch the surface of what he can be. Yeah. I think it's, it's fair to say that he might, you know, be – you know, exceeding what Vic was right now. And I'm going to say this. Lamar Jackson right now has something that Michael Vick never had. He has a chip on his shoulder. Because even when Michael Vick came out of college mm-hmm. from Virginia Tech, people knew what he was. Of course. He was, he was a bona fide quarterback, and he was a dual-threat guy. He could beat you with his arm and his legs. But what was the narrative coming out of college for Lamar Jackson? It's that, ah, he might be a little too small. He's a running back. He, he might be a running back. He might be a wide receiver. You know, Hopefully he can do the combine Joe's a wide receiver. We don't picture him being a quarterback. So... Off that gecko, I feel like that put a chip on Lamar Jackson's shoulder. And you see it when he plays in the football game because, yes, there are times where he can run the ball. And mm-hmm. there are times maybe where he throws a pass and maybe it's, you know, it's, it's tipped or it's just, it's not completed where he probably could have ran it. But that's Lamar Jackson wanting to be a true quarterback. That's Lamar Jackson trying to show teams, you know what? You guys passed on me because you said I wasn't a real quarterback. Go ahead and check this out. 80 yard bomb to Marquise Brown. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. And I get it with John Harbaugh. I think nobody saw this coming. John Harbaugh came out and said, yeah, we had a good feeling about Lamar Jackson. That's why we drafted him. But you also took a tight end before Lamar Jackson. Okay? You traded back up to get Lamar Jackson. Shout out to Hayden Hurst. I was exactly. Oh, were you really? I was right there. on. How was the party? That was a pretty good party. Good. Well, well, was, was it refreshments and everything going uh, on? I can't Okay, can't divulge But that's my point where, you know, yeah, you may have knew he was special. But not that special because you didn't take him with your first pick. You tried back up to get him. That's but fair. Whatever it is, though, Lamar Jackson definitely probably going to be the favorite for MVP. But don't 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 sleep on Russell Wilson though. We still got Russell Wilson coming up. Uh, it should probably be between those two, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But also when we come back, well, we got to talk some Jaguars. Obviously, there's a reason why Brett Martineau's not here. He's in Oakland, so let's start breaking down that Jaguars uh, Oakland Raiders game. But I want to keep the conversation going with Lamar Jackson too a little bit. Is his first or is his second year better than Patrick Mahomes' second? Year. We'll get into it. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, my, my favorite player growing up, um, but it, it's amazing, and I'm gonna cherish that forever. And just gotta keep it going. Re- you know, records meant to be broken, like he said. I heard him say that, and it's an honor for me to do it. So humble. That yeah. is that, that is Lamar Jackson from the Baltimore Ravens. So humble, but I guarantee deep down is like. F you for saying I wasn't a real quarterback. F you for saying I wasn't a real quarterback. F everybody, I'm out. Like, seriously, you have to put that kind of chip, and I guarantee he is right now. I mean, you kind of have to. If you want to play in the NFL, you have to have some sort of chip because you can never be complacent. Absolutely. If If you don't remember, you know, what got you to the position that you're in, then you're bound to be complacent and you won't, won't be getting any better. If you're not getting better, you're getting worse, right? Exactly. And speaking of getting better or getting worse, we got Uh-oh. the Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Oakland here for – it's kind of like the Oakland Raiders slash homecoming slash going away party. I don't know what you want to call it, but it's going to be a giant celebration. Mm-hmm. The, the the black hole is going to be in full effect. Have you ever been to Oakland before covering the Jags or not? Uh, I have not been okay. to Oakland. Um, not for – the Warriors game or the, or the or the Raiders. To be honest with you, <laughs> for I, sure. I'll be honest with you. Whenever we were doing our selections as far as which road trips we wanted to go to, I actually thought about this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, with you know them moving to Vegas and whatnot, uh, just because I mean you, you hear so many things about the Raiders, and part of it deterred me, but part of it also intrigued me. You know, with, yeah. the, with the whole and I, I'm, I don't know how true this is, but you know, with the fans 
throwing the bottles and everything. So I was like, yo, I got to make sure I'm, if I go out there, I'm wearing neutral colors. 100%. Oh, without a doubt, man. And like, it's funny, Gardner Mintry's been on record saying that his dad's going to go out there rocking Jaguars jerseys. But I, I guess when you have a name like Flint, you can't be too worried about the black hole. Oh, have you seen him? No, no, oh, no, no, no. Hey, I, I get it. He's, nobody, he's nobody's dude. throwing any fades his way. <laughs> For sure. But uh, yeah, I'll be honest. You know, of, of all the places that I played, it wasn't the loudest place, but by far just the people in it. And this is more crazy than Buffalo, which I played in a couple times. Um, you know, Philly, New York. I mean, Oakland definitely takes the case. Like, I have a soft spot for Buffalo because my very first away game was at Buffalo, and we pulled up to the stadium, and I kid you not, there was like 100 people, and I'm talking kids. I'm talking grandmas and grandpas. It's a family affair. They're in a straight line, and they're all giving you the middle finger. Yeah. And, like, they're throwing, you know, I mean, they're throwing stuff at your bus. Sounds about right. I'm like, welcome to the NFL. You know, like, I'm a... I'm used to going to like to Austin P and to like to Tennessee State, and now all of a sudden we're we're you know we're in the real dogs with uh with Buffalo, but it's a crazy scene. But obviously in Oakland, it's going to be a crazy scene as well. Let's get off the fans for a second though. Let's talk about this Jaguars team real quick. The Jaguars are down. DJ Chark. Yep. Big loss. Uh, it was announced that he's not going to be playing. It's obviously a huge loss in a in a battered Oakland secondary that I think is ripe for the picking, especially when you need a confidence game from Gardner Minshew. Um, I think if you're Minshew's perspective, you have to show that you, you're the man for the job, assuming that when that new regime comes in. I mean. It, on paper, I'll be honest, from top to bottom, once again, I, I think the Jaguars may have the Raiders beat, but based from what I've seen, because it's not about the stats, it's not about the paper, it's about what you've seen on film. And what I've seen on film right now for the Jacksonville Jaguars, especially the past five weeks, is a team that cannot figure out how to stop the running back in the run game and in the passing game. And guess what? Raiders got a guy by the name of Josh Jacobs. Now, he was out last week. He had some kind of shoulder injury. Yep. The smart money would probably be to rest him this week because you're a pretty big favorite. Uh, you're a six-and-a-half-point favorite right now uh, to, to beat the Jaguars, and you, you have capable backups. But at the same time, you want that guy to win rookie of the year, and it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Might as well pad those stats a little bit. What do you see happening in this Raiders-Jaguars game? I mean, I wish I could say that I was confident about the Jags obviously going over – and winning because they should. I mean, yeah. the, the Raiders are, I mean, look, you know the old saying, you are what your record is. Sure. But I don't think the Raiders are actually a 6-7 and seven team, to be completely honest. I think yeah. they're probably closer to being, you know, 4-9 than 6-7. and seven. Uh, Obviously, with Josh Jacobs coming back, that's going to be big for them. But, I mean, top to bottom, you go across the board and match these guys up left and right. I mean, this, like you said, should be a game that the Jaguars win. I mean, mm. You got a guy in Derek Carr who's who's I mean look he's he's serviceable but he's yeah. also very up and down. This should be an opportunity for you know the the defensive line to get back there and get some sacks because he's not necessarily a mobile guy. He's not necessarily a statue either. But the fact that you should be able to get to him and get him down, um, the secondary should be able to kind of you know get their hands on some balls. But my biggest thing with this the Jaguars is that it's not a matter of what they can do it's a matter of what they actually do i mean they've, <laughs> yeah. they've played a lot of teams where they should have had success and this is another one but for whatever reason they just don't and, mm-hmm. and obviously it, it's it's one of those things where you know i don't believe they're they're quitting obviously mm-hmm. i mean you're you're a football player you're oh, out you're, there. no man that's one of the that's one of the biggest words that i hate to hear yeah, is someone's not, quitting on a football field. and and you can't it just because, doesn't happen and that you can't be for two reasons one that's the quickest way to get somebody hurt i mean if exactly. you're out there playing 50 and i'm out there 100 we're coming you know head to head it's game over um but i mean 
Is there anyone that doesn't think Josh Jacobs is going to come back from being hurt and go for a buck fifty right now? I mean, yeah. they, they they just cannot stop the run to save their life. And mm-hmm. it, and any team, if they can run the ball on you at will, they're more than likely to win the game. And here's the thing: we're, we're going to do our you know our six pack of picks later here. And I'll be, I'll tell you right now, spoiler alert, I'm not picking the Jaguars because why should I? Why should I pick a team who has absolutely been abysmal the past five weeks against the running back? And why should I pick a team who hasn't made any type of coaching changes, who actually lost some guys on defense? Why should I pick that team? You know, it'd be one thing to say if there were some coaching changes, whether it was the head coach or defensive coordinator, and maybe, okay, for instance, let's say they got rid of Todd Wash this week, and maybe Dom Capers comes in, and maybe he throws a little wrinkle in the game, right? Maybe he goes a little more 3-4, because that's what he's accustomed to doing. Well, at least teams wouldn't have that scouted. But what I'm making my pick off, and what I'm making my prediction off is what I've seen the past five weeks. We know who the Jaguars are. And maybe that they play that game where they're just out of their minds and there's a lot of things that can go unexplained. I don't see it being this game. I think John Gruden is a, is an offensive-minded genius. I think the fact that you said they have six wins this season, if the Raiders don't win another game this season, to me, it's still a success. Because with that roster right now, with how young they are, I don't think anybody had him pegged to, you know, go to the playoffs, especially after Antonio Brown left. So credit it up to the offense, credit it up to, uh, to Gruden, you know, doing the, the whole culture thing and making sure the guys are ready to play, whatever it is. But the Raiders are playing some decent football. And when I look at where the Jaguars are the most vulnerable, like I said, they are vulnerable at the running back spot, but also the tight end spot. Hunter Henry could have had four touchdowns last Sunday. Against the Jaguars. Agreed. I mean, it was literally to the point where Philip Rivers was just like, ah, we'll go over here now. We'll spread it out. Oh, what's up, Mike Williams? You haven't been really getting a guy going this season. I'll go ahead and throw you a touchdown real quick. Keenan Allen, yeah, you're always around. I'll give you some love as well. Oh, Melvin Gordon, got to give him some love. It just seemed like that Chargers offense, they were just picking and choosing wherever they wanted to go. And when you're talking about picking and choosing, well, the tight end position, which I think this guy, Darren Waller, is a top three tight end right now in the NFL. He's playing like it. And why we're still waiting to hear who the NFL comeback player of the year is going to be, to me, it's obvious right now. It's Darren Waller. If anybody watched Hard Knocks, you know what I'm talking about. This guy came you know, out of a drug rehab facility, shows up to training camp, and now is one of the best tight ends, you know, in the NFL. And oh, by the way, he signed like a very mediocre deal for like I think two two years. Just peanuts what he's playing for right now. But props to him, obviously comeback player of the year. But he's a guy, if you're the Jaguars defense, you have to watch out for. And where I think the Jaguars right now, and don't don't get it twisted, there there's a liability at a lot of spots on that defense. But where they're most liable, obviously. It is the linebacking core. And we're talking about Josh Jacobs being that receiver threat. When we're talking about Josh Jacobs being that running threat. And when we're talking about Darren Waller being the threat in the middle of the field, you have to be nervous for these Jaguars linebackers. Yeah, you just said it, man. And I think that is by far the weakest spot on the Jaguars defense. And it's it's simply just because of, one, they haven't gotten consistent play. I mean, you got guys plugging in and out, whether it's, uh, you know, Najee Good had some spells. Donald Payne's in there now. Joe mm-hmm. Giles Harris is in there. Leon Jacobs. They just haven't gotten consistent linebacker play. And, I mean, in the in the type of defense that they run, especially when they're in that base cover two show, if your linebackers aren't playing, essentially the entire middle of the field is open, especially when your defensive line isn't getting any push. They're not, they're not you know, dropping any any um, any DNs to pick up in the flats. I mean, the D-line is coming after you. And if they're not getting pushed, if you don't have any linebackers, I'm sending wide receiver out, wide receiver out, and I'm running you know, tight ends, I'm running running backs. Everything goes through the middle of the field. And that's a problem when, off, when opposing offenses can basically just attack the heartbeat 
of your defense. I mean, you've, we've got, I mean, we've seen it. Every single running back we've played the past few weeks has essentially just gotten what they want at will. Yeah. You know? Um, and I think this is a, another one of those cases. If they cannot get good play from the linebacking position, they will lose this game by, was it five straight games, 17 or more? Yeah. They will lose this game by 20 if they do or not more. get. Consistent linebacker play. Well, and let's quick talk about the other side of the line real quick. Let's talk about the offense. I mean, do you, this offense has been anemic. They, they've been no-shows for the past couple games now. Gardner Minshew's got to put on good addition here for that new coaching staff coming in. Their best target right now on offense, DJ Chark, best receiving target on offense, is out. Do you see another big Leonard Fournette game, or do we finally see kind of, you know, you know, Coach Flip basically just go, you know what, here's the Porsche, here's the keys, don't crash it, but go have fun. I mean, are we to the point now where it's just like, we had nothing to play for. I'm not sure if I'm going to be here, but I'm at least going to give you the best chance to succeed. Have at it. Do you think that's going to happen against the Raiders? I mean, I think you have to. I mean, yeah. I think I think that, you know, obviously Leonard's going to get what Leonard's getting. If I'm Oakland, if I'm running the defense, I, I mean, would you not feel comfortable stacking eight in the box and just mm-hmm. saying, especially with DJ Chark being out and a Gardner Mitchell's favorite target and seemingly top wide receiver, would you not feel comfortable saying, you know what, I'm going to stack eight in the box, we're going to hold everything right in front of us, and we're going to make those outside wide receivers beat us. And honestly, I think that's the way that they win this game. Somebody from the outside is going to have to step up, whether that be uh, a bigger game from Conley or or Westbrook tighten up or Keelan Cole come and make some catches. Yeah. And, heck, we can even get Nick O'Leary or anybody. Someone else other than Leonard Fournette is going to have to have a good to great game for the Jaguars to have a chance at scoring points and winning this game. Well, and that's kind of been the curse of the team, right? Where when your one receiver goes down, it's always nice to have that cushion uh, at tight end to kind of throw to to make some of those easy passes to. Well, unfortunately, right now you have a guy in Nick O'Leary who's been in Jacksonville for like three, four weeks now. The newest tight end. The, 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 the newest tight end, yes. The, the, the one that it's basically like a turnstile in tight ends, it feels like this year with the injuries and whatnot. But, yeah, I think you have to get O'Leary going as well. Or any guys could play tight end for you. You have to look at him as well. When we get back, you know, I mean, we talked about the Jaguars, the coaching staff changes coming up. What job intrigues you the most? Being an NFL coach looking to try to find a new home, where do you want to go and coach? That's easy. We'll talk about that next in ESPN 690. I know you guys write and all that kind of stuff. That's your job, but we got a job. Um, but my job is not to read it. And that's the same thing we talk to our players about. You can only control what we got going on in this building. Jaguars defensive coordinator Todd Wash kind of just telling it like it is. So I guess that means he doesn't listen to ESPN 690 radio, unfortunately. Hey, that sounds like it. Well, which is a bummer because I thought we had a pretty good uh, relationship going on. You know, I mean, I, I played for him a little bit, and I got nothing but respect for him, um, you know, as a, uh, as, a, as a grown man. Uh, just for whatever reason this year that the Jaguars have really fallen off on defense. And when you're talking about the Jaguars defense, that was supposed to be their identity this year. And it just has not gone that way. So, I mean, t- to me, obviously, I think the, and anybody would agree with me here in Jacksonville, the writing is on the wall for, for, you know, coach Todd Wash and pretty much the whole coaching staff in general. And we'll see with the front office as well. Austin Lane joined today by Action Sports Jack's Marcel Robinson, the Swagosaurus, if you will. Uh, safe travels to Brent Martineau as he's flying out with the team to cover the Jaguars in Oakland. Going to the, the, the black hole uh, farewell game, I guess. Good luck to him. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt from some of those fans out there. They're crazy, but glad to be joined by Marcel Robinson today. Yes, sir. Let's uh, hopefully no bottles get thrown around the black hole. Yeah. Um, hopefully the Jaguars play better and make them want to throw bottles. I like that <laughs> as an outcome. I, I, you know what I feel? Honestly, I feel like I feel like Brenton Stewart 
should take a bottle to the back, not the head, because that's a little dangerous, to the back <laughs> for us. Because I feel like if they take a bottle to the back, that means that the fans are angry. Sure. And they should be angry because the Jaguars need to go out there and, and get this W. Yeah, but you got to understand, though, man, I feel like even if the Raiders dominate, I think the fans will still throw stuff. Yeah, like, this, right. this is the last time there. You're probably like, right. This is like, and I've been in a situation where, say you're, you know, you rent an apartment, okay? And this happened to me in college, all right? I rented an apartment in college, me and three other roommates. We had one more month on the lease. What did we do the last month? We threw a giant going away party. We Turn didn't care anymore. Up. Hey, we didn't care anymore. Everything got checked out. I didn't have any other uh, deposits to worry about. I'm like, oh, you're going to keep my, you're gonna give, you're gonna give back my deposit and I can keep it? That's your loss. And we tore that place apart. Spoiler alert. You got that letter? Well, we can get a letter, but the floor might have been sunk a little bit because we threw that big of a party. So from that perspective, that's what I see happening from the Raiders fans, where either they're going to come out, they're going to play good football, they're going to win, and they're going to tear the place apart, or they're going to be so upset in you know in traditional Oakland fashion where they're so upset, <laughs> we're going to throw stuff as well. My only point is the fact that I'm a little bummed that Brent didn't offer me to come with just for a little security backup. Now, I wouldn't work that game. I would just be there in case things popped off a little bit. See, that might have been a problem. I think we, we've got the security detail handled. Yeah. <laughs> we got we got 53 guys wearing black and teal who I think have our backs I, I like your while style. we're on the plane. Well, speaking of 53 guys, we got to talk about who's going to be the new coach coming in next year to coach those 53 guys. And when we look around the NFL right now, and this is an interesting exercise that I did, I actually did this exact same exercise with Nick Foles. Um, basically what I did, and this was back when we were at uh, for the Players' Championship, I broke down the pass, the possible candidates for Nick Foles to land, and I broke down each one. I said, where do you think is the best spot? Like, if you're Nick Foles, where would you want to go? And Brett and I both agreed Jacksonville. Now, granted, there's only three teams that were possible at the time. There were the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars. Right. Got any more brain busters? That was pretty easy. This one's going to be a little more tricky. And what we're going to do here is I'm going to say, hey, if you're if you're a coach, either from college or you're trying to get, you know, you're, you're a former NFL coach trying to get back in the game, what job intrigues you the most? Now we have to use our imaginations a little bit because not a lot of coaches have been fired yet. Uh, really, the only guy that's been gone is Ron Rivera. But we're going to use our little imaginations here, and we're going to kind of predict of. Listen, the writing's on the wall. These guys are going to be out. And what job is the most intriguing to you? So let's go down the list real quick of, well, at least where I think, I think you would agree with me for the most part, of these coaching jobs will probably become available this year. First of all, we got Atlanta, um, the, the Falcons. I, I don't see Dan Quinn returning. Now, listen, they, they've, they made a great effort towards the end of the season, but I think the writing's on the wall for Dan Quinn. I think Cleveland. Um, and then that one I'm still kind of iffy on, but I think Freddie Kitchens, man, with the whole thing with Odell now, the team is underachieved like you wouldn't believe. You had every, you had all the pieces in line. This was supposed to be the year Baker's playing bad. I can see Freddie Kitchens leaving. Um, the Giants, obviously Pat Shermer. And I think Pat Shermer, listen, I think he's kind of the victim of a front office who didn't do any favors. And this yeah. is a guy who had a lot of injuries this year with Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. You had a rookie quarterback in Daniel Jones. I get it. But I think Pat Shermer's time's numbered. Dallas Cowboys, Jason Garrett, uh, Detroit Lions, Matt Patricia, possibly. Obviously, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Doug Marone. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say Adam Gase of the Jets. I think we kind of saw an implosion last night. The Chargers were kind of on the fence a little bit with Anthony Lynn, but I'm going to give Anthony Lynn the benefit of the doubt, and we're going to save the Chargers, and then we have the Redskins, and then obviously the Panthers now with Ron Rivera gone. So between Atlanta, Cleveland, New York, Dallas, Detroit, Jacksonville, 
uh, the Jets, the Redskins, and the Panthers. Give me your top three because you got to be honest here, and, and I get it. If you're if you're a coach looking for jobs, I mean, you take what you can get. But some coach is going to have the option of where to go. And if I if it's me, if it's my criteria, and I'm going to get my list in a second, you got to keep in mind the quarterback. I think you have to keep in mind the draft capita. And you have to keep in mind of just the type of players that you have going forward. Is this going to be a rebuilding project, or are the pieces in line to try to make a run right away? Who do you got for your top three destinations here? I think for me, it would probably start off honestly with Atlanta, and simply because I think this is probably one of the worst years Atlanta's had, obviously in recent memory. And I think that they have enough pieces to to cont- to not necessarily make it a clean sweep. Like, it's not a project town, it doesn't seem like. Mm-hmm. I, obviously, like we were just talking about, I think it very much depends on what stage of regression this year is for Matt Ryan. Is this kind of like, you know, the outlier plateau before the slope, or is this the beginning of the slope? Because um, obviously we know that, especially in that particular division where you've got Drew Brees and, you know, if Cam returns back from Carolina, um, and who knows what Tampa's going to do with, with Jameis. But I feel like with the pieces they have around that offense, mm-hmm. around whoever's playing quarterback, whether it's Matt Ryan or somebody else, I think they're good enough to still be viable on offense. Now, their defense is going to need some work, obviously. They ha- they've had a lot of injuries uh, across the board at every level. But I feel like if you can get those guys back from injury and you can improve the offense, um, I feel like you have some something to work with there. So that would be my number one team. Okay. So, so if you're a coach, your number one destination right now, Marcel Robinson, you're trying to go to Atlanta. I mean, just because, I mean, you have... No, you're a Falcons fan, so let's throw that out there real quick. I, I am. Okay. Now, I will say this objectively. I think if you have a top five player to any position... That's a good point. ...that can still play at a high level, sure. I think you're you're in a good spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, having Julio Jones there, Calvin really is, is a budding star. Um, Austin Hooper is not necessarily the greatest tight end, but he, he is making progress, and he he's playing pretty well. Um, I mean, the running back position, Devontae Freeman can't really stay on the field, but they've got some guys behind him who can really play. And because of the injury to Julio and with Muhammad Sanu being traded traded away, uh, I think some of these younger wide receivers in Atlanta have gotten some valuable PT t- and, and improved a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I will, I just simply feel that because of out of all the teams that we named, they're the, really the only team that kind of has things in play, like in place, so to speak. Um from an organizational standpoint and actually, you know, the team roster. Okay. So Atlanta coming to number one. Um, number two for me, I mean, it's kind of tough. I mean, my two and three are kind of, you know, you know, sort of maybe two or three. But yeah. uh, for two, I would say Cleveland just because I think that they still have, you know, some pieces in play there, obviously. You don't know what's going to happen with Odell. But if you can keep Odell, I mean, you still got Odell, you've got Landry, you've got Chubb. I mean, you can find someone who can control Baker my, Mayfield. Ho- hopefully Miles Garrett comes back. Hopefully Miles <laughs> yeah. Garrett will be back. Yeah. You, know, you know, they've got they've got a, a pretty good nucleus. They do. They, they have a solid tight end when healthy to David Njoku, yeah. who's a good tight end. So uh, and just, just like the Atlanta job, I, think, like, I feel like you can come in there and you can just fine-tune a few things and then kind of implement your system. And yep. then you, you'll be okay. And thirdly, um, I mean, I say it's here, honestly, but I think it very much depends on what happens with the Coughlin situation because I can't think of any coach who's established or even one of these young, younger up-and-coming coaches who's going to want to come in yeah. and say, I want to do my things my way. I want to do it this way Yeah, and to be told no. And, and, and that's a fantastic point. And uh, we're going to cut the break here pretty soon, but I'll give my picks after the break when we come back. But when you when you talk about that, and whether the Jaguars go in a young direction or a seasoned vet, older culture, you know, direction, unless that coach has ties to Tom Coughlin, 
I think it's going to be detrimental to your team to keep Tom Coughlin because the last thing you want to do, if you're trying to come in and if you're trying to rebuild this franchise, you're trying to rebuild the house, you're trying to start the base and build the culture, the last thing you want to do is have someone say, you know what, you're doing it wrong, I want, we should do it this way, we should do it this way. No, 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 because I was brought here to do it my way. That's why I'm here. I'm trying to build a culture, and it doesn't work. Now, once again, if there's a connection or something like that, then you never know. But um, from that perspective, yeah, I think I agree with you. Tom Coughlin should be gone as well. So just so we're clear, Atlanta Falcons number one. We got the Jacksonville Jaguars number two, and then the number three was? Uh, No, number two was Cleveland. Cleveland, I'm sorry. Number three was Was the Jaguars. Jaguars. But actually, if Coughlin does stay on, I would say Carolina. All right, I got you. When we come back after this segment, I'm going to take my picks, the top three coaching destinations, and also addressing this team next year. I get it. We got a lot of time left. We got to talk about where the Jaguars start with this rebuild. What position first? We talk about it next on ESPN 690. You know, he's obviously going to get more and more reps as the season goes on and stuff like that. So, you know, we want to see the the, uh, fundamentals and uh, those kind of things improve as we go. And, uh, you know, he's been working hard in practice, and I think we will see that. That's Todd Wash talking about Josh Allen, who's been kind of uh, one of the very lone bright spots this year of, of the Jacksonville Jaguars and one of the very few things on this team right now that kind of offers you some hope going forward in rebuilding a new team because that's where we're at now. You know, you, yeah. you're going to have to start from the base and build back up. And anytime you – and I can't stand the word – rebuilding because immediately I'm tied to, well, if you're rebuilding, then you're immediately out of playoff contention for the next three or four years, right? Because you have to rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And I'm not trying to make a a case for the Jaguars that we're going to be good next year because we have no idea. But at least going forward, you have a guy like Josh Allen who you can put guys around, right? Like Josh Allen has shown that he's only going to get better. It's, It's like I've been very adamant about even when in preseason. This is a guy who right now is relying on his athleticism and his God-given abilities. When he starts to develop his techniques, and it's not going to come as a rookie. It, it takes time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's working your pass rush moves a little bit. It's working your hand placement. It's working your footwork. When Josh Allen gets all that down, which should be next season, because I always say, Marcel, you make your most progress from your first season going into your second season. And when we see Josh Allen next year, man, I mean, if, if this guy's not a pro bowler next year, and, and, and I'll put my name on it right now, something's going to be up because I have that much confidence that he's only going to get better and better and better going forward. Oh, no, 100%. That yeah. that kid is, is freaking good. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, just to see, obviously, how massive of a human he is and, and just to see the, how much speed he has uh, going around the edge or even, even swim moves coming up underneath. Um, I mean, he can only get better. I mean, physically, I think he's got all the tools. I think it's just like you said, once he figures out when to use certain you know weapons in his armory, I think he's going to be a, a problem. Exactly. Well, if you listen to us the last segment, we're trying to break down uh, what teams uh, have the most intrigue. If you're a head coach in the NFL right now or you're trying to be a head coach in the NFL, what team do you want to go to? And I get it. Use our imaginations a little bit here um, as, a, as a point where – we're assuming these guys are going to be gone. And the teams that we have on our list right now is Dan Quinn from Atlanta Falcons, Freddie Kitchens from the Cleveland Browns, Pat Shermer from the New York Giants, Jason Garrett from the Dallas Cowboys, Matt Patricia maybe from the Detroit Lions, obviously Doug Marone from the Jacksonville Jaguars, Adam Gase from the Jets, 
Anthony Lynn, we think it's going to be safe from the Chargers. Bill Callahan from the Redskins, and then obviously Ron Rivera is already gone. So from that perspective, and now and now it's time to give my top three things. Say I'm a coach, and I'm and I'm looking to get my toes back in the pool of coaching, whether I'm coming from college or I've already you know established myself as a great coach in the NFL. Where am I looking? And then the first thing that I talked about is the quarterback. To, to me, the quarterback, obviously, it's the most important position. So if I'm a head coach right now and I'm breaking these teams down, that's the first thing that I see. I see the Jacksonville Jaguars. I see Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew. Minshew intrigues me. I see, like you mentioned, the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ryan. I like Matt Ryan. On the list right now, he's probably, of all these spots, or him or Dak, Dak Prescott, I would say he's probably the most legit quarterback still when remaining playing well. when playing well. But you have to wonder, is he on the back nine of his career? How many years does he have left? So my top pick, if I'm a head coach right now in the NFL, or if I'm trying to be a head coach in the NFL of where I'm going to go, I'm going Dallas Cowboys all day. Uh, and to me, it's a no-brainer. And I take no pride in saying that because the last thing I want to do, uh, being a former player myself, is coach the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> but the, the way I see it right now with Dak Prescott really coming into his own, and I get it. He's been a roller coaster this year, right? I mean, he started off really strong, and now he's kind of hit those peaks and valleys a little bit. We don't really know that Dak Prescott's, you know, if he's going to be the man or not. And this is a guy that's going to get that new contract. So... You have to worry about that as a new coach coming in. But to me, it's the Dallas Cowboys. You, you, you have a, a pretty solid offensive line. You have Ezekiel Elliott, one of the best running backs in the game. You have Amari Cooper, one of the, you know, I mean, one of a very solid wide receiver. So the Dallas Cowboys to me are number one on the list. And obviously it's the tradition as well, right? Like you have Jerry Jones at your disposal. This guy is willing to spend as much money as it takes to win a Super Bowl. So from my perspective, I'm a coach. I like the Dallas Cowboys job. Numero dos. I'm going with the Carolina Panthers. All due respect to your Atlanta Falcons. I like the Panthers now. I know what you're saying. Quarterback. And I don't know. Is Kyle Allen the answer? That's my question. I don't think so. Cam Newton more more likely will probably be gone. We'll see. But I think the problem that Ron Rivera, and I have a lot of respect for Ron Rivera. Obviously, he's a defensive-minded coach, a guy after my own heart. And I think Ron Rivera was directly tied to Cam Newton. And Cam Newton, all things considered, he was that dual-threat quarterback. But, man, he had some rough seasons. And a lot of that's to do with injuries as well. But... The, the Panthers only went as far as Cam Newton allowed them to go, even though the Panthers had a solid defense. Right. And I think if I'm looking at, at the, the pieces right now, the culture is obviously put in place. Luke Keekley at middle linebacker. You have a, a, you have a, a promising secondary. Bradbury is starting to come on into his own as one of the most legit corners in the NFL right now. And obviously Christian McCaffrey, man. I could stand back there and give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. At least we're going to put up, you know, maybe 20 points a game, maybe 25 points a game, whatever it is. So the Panthers are number two. And surprisingly, my number three pick right now of coaching destinations is actually the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay? And this is assuming that Gardner Minshew balls out his last few games here. But I think Jacksonville, with their draft capital, with Gardner Minshew, and I hope they, you know, when they rebuild this team, they do it like the, the San Francisco 49ers did, where they started with the defensive line and then they worked outward, right? Yep. Because the games, I, I get it, it's a high-powered offense now and it's a quarterback-driven league, but do not get it twisted. The game of football is still won and lost in the trenches. And I think that if they can focus on those few things a couple of years, well, then the rest will take care of itself. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are my third pick. So it's the Cowboys. Panthers and Jacksonville Jaguars. When we come back, I think we're going to have action uh, news. Jacks, John Bachman joining us here in the hour. 
Also get into some more headlines around the NFL. And coming up a little later, we're going to do our Christmas letters to Santa. And we're going to ask Santa to give us some things in the sports world, the Jaguars and other things related as well. It's all coming up on ESPN 690. You know, one of the things that I, I said uh, the other day, I'm under a lot of confidence out there. You know, so we got to work on that. And that happens like uh, I think Mark and I were talking about, you know, you gain confidence by winning games and, and we're not doing it. Jaguars head coach Doug Marone. Yeah, you sure do gain confidence when you win games. You lose it when you lose, too. Yeah, and I think the same could be said for the Jaguars fans as well. Is when you start losing the games, well, guess what? You start losing attendance a little bit because why? You lose the confidence. And right now I would say I sit here on December 13th, 2019. Has your confidence ever been lower for the Jacksonville Jaguars, Marcel Robinson? Absolutely not. As Actually, as Stewart and I were driving into the game this past week against the Chargers, we were coming across the bridge with no traffic, mm-hmm. and I said, I don't think we actually came to a complete stop until we got to the stadium. And I said to him, actually maybe before we even left the building, I said, I don't think I've ever felt so low mm-hmm. about like coming to the game than I do right now, this very moment. It's really? Just, it was just kind of like, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and get this knocked out. Yeah. And, and me, I'm, I mean, I, look, I love football. I'm of always course, man. You're always about pumped. it. We, yeah. we go out there and get beat 45 to zero. Yeah, I don't care. It was fun. Yeah, but it was just like, man, can we just get something different today? Like I, just, I so I, so from your perspective, and you're a guy who's covered the Jaguars for a while now, and like you said, you're a very passionate individual, and that's why you're so good at your job. You know, from your perspective, though, would you say that I guess just the loss of faith, just you know, just the kind of I guess nihilistic attitude where you don't really care anymore, to be honest with you. Does it come from more of the fact that this team's been a disappointment this year? Or does it come because the expectations are pretty high? You know, I think everyone was at least talking about an 8-8 eight and eight season, if not better, at least, you know, a contention to go to the playoffs. Do you say it's more of a disappointment of that? Or do you think it's just a disappointment of getting blown out by 20-something points every single game the past five games now? I mean, I think it's that. I think it's how yeah. bad they've been losing. I mean, look, I mean, we last year was, was pretty bad after, come, you know, the rebounding year, 2017. Uh, there was no rebound last year. Was was not great, and they coming into this year w- with so many expectations of you know the Nick Foles thing, and you know hey you know they got this figured out. We got it seems like we got some pieces. We filled some holes, and then just the way the holes it's just been one thing after another this season. From the from the first snap when or the, or the first offensive drive when Nick Foles breaks his collarbone to that same game when it was about a million degrees and the trucks breaking down and and then just the whole Jalen Ramsey thing and now the team's getting you know beat and then of course Minshew comes in it's like oh okay you know this this is a little all right we got a little, there's a little hope it's something to cheer for and then of course right back and, and it's very much so like a <laughs> one game it seems like right <laughs> like oh here we go again and then and I think just the way they've been losing because it's so you know, it's a such a familiar feeling from before, and and I think fans and and people in the organization and media members have felt the same. Like, oh, you know, I thought we were past that. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that stage of coming out here and getting beat like a Pop Warner team. I thought we were past that, and it and it's just so hard for people to comprehend. Like, like yo, two years ago we were we were good, we were great. Yeah. You know, last year we weren't. We weren't good, but, but at you least know. you had the excuses of the injuries. Yeah, you had injuries. Right? Leonard Fournette was out. Your offensive line was in shambles. You had excuses. And coming in, everyone said, this is the year. You look at the schedule, there's a whole bunch of winnable games. Most people had them pegged to go between 7-9 and nine and 9-7. and seven. And then you look back and you're like, 
Whoa. And, well, and I even found it funny too because I was I was campaigning even when the schedule first came out. I said I bet the second half of the season will be a lot harder than the first, and everyone was like, "Well, that's not true." You you know you play in the Saints, and you know you got to go in these road games and everything. Like you have more of your division opponents at the end, and the, mm-hmm. the, the the Chargers, yeah, they're they're a decent team. Well, now turns out they're not that good, but. I thought the back end of, of the schedule was going to be the rough one, and that's where the Jaguars are having the most trouble right now. And, and I think you said it perfectly, man. I mean, my expectations for this team, it, it was 8-8. Eight and eight. I think when Brent and I gave our predictions, I was right in the middle, and I said they might be looking at a playoff birthday if everyone can stay healthy. Well, everyone, for the most part, has stayed healthy. And, yes, there's been a few injuries here or there, and obviously your starting quarterback got hurt the first game of the season. That's catastrophic. But guess what? You didn't really skip a beat because you had a guy that replaced him in Gardner Minshew that was still a very serviceable quarterback, if not even a better than a serviceable quarterback. So you didn't really have any excuses. And I was adamant about this about four weeks ago, and I'm I'm sticking by my statement. I think this is the most disappointing season in Jaguars history for all the reasons that you named. For Telvin Smith not, you know, for opting not to play football this year. From the whole Jalen Ramsey fiasco, you ended up losing your best player on defense. From the perspective, you've been getting blown out by 15 plus points for the past five games. From all those things, and, and, and a team that we're sitting here December 13th, and we don't know this team's identity. And you know what? The sad thing is, I'll be honest, this team this year will not have an identity. We're, we're going to look back on this season and be like, what were they good at? What were, what were they about? I don't know. They, they, they were about staying healthy, but what did that matter? Nothing. So to me, it's the most disappointing season um, as far as when I've been around. You know, I mean, I, I think in the early 90s, they had a lot of success. So there wasn't a lot of disappointing season there. And this is coming from a guy who played on a Jaguars team that won two games. And that was rough itself. But... You could have a couple excuses from that season. You know, I mean, you threw in a young quarterback who may not have been ready to play. You don't have that excuse of the Jacksonville Jaguars because Minshew showed that he can play in this league. So, in my opinion, by far the most disappointing season. So, we're talking about the, dis- the most disappointing season. Obviously, that comes with draft capital, number one. And number two, it talks about changes being made. And we can all agree the coaching staff here will not be here next year. Okay. And more than likely, I think the front office, whether it's Dave Caldwell, whether it's Tom Coughlin, I think they're all going to be gone, too. So you're looking at a fresh slate, a clean slate. And if we're going to break this down, and I get it, and this is another sad thing, Marcel. There's three games to go in the season, and I'm already talking about what do you do to make it better for next season. But we're to this point now. I honestly, I could sit here and break down the Jaguars and why, you should, why people should turn in to watch them, but I'm not going to lie to people. I'm going to say watch Gardner Minshew. Hopefully he can keep his starting spot going into next season, and that's about it. Watch Leonard Fournette. You know, maybe do his thing, earn that Pro Bowl. But besides that, man, there's just – it's not a lot of stuff to, to be positive about. And I get it. I'm not the most positive guy, but that's more Brent Martineau's job. But I'm not just going to cling to some straws that aren't even there. You know, I mean, I'm not going to BS people on the radio. So from that perspective – Going forward, going into next season, going into this draft, what do you got to do to fix this thing? And I guess my question to you, Marcel, is where do you start? What position do you start with first? I mean, honestly, I think me and you, we have the same mindset. The game is won and lost in the trenches on both sides. Yeah. And and I would say, for me personally, and I know it's not the sexiest of picks. I know it's not what the Jaguars faith the one here because we say this every single year. You have to start by finding some answer 
for that offensive line. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those things where if you can't score points, you can't win. Yeah. And if you can't protect, you know, your quarterback to give him enough time to, to find an open receiver or you can't block for your running back, he has to make his own holes, then you can't score points. And, and at that point, then your defense is going to break at some point. If your defense gives up seven points and you score zero, you lose. Well, and it's funny because the, the dialogue last year and then the storylines last year going in the draft was obviously there was rumors that they're looking at Jonah Williams from Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he was the top tackle. Um, he was a swing guy. He could play him at both positions, but but he was the dude. Now, Juwan Taylor, there are some rumors that he'd go first round too. Luckily, he followed the Jaguars in the second round. So be it. But I was the guy on the show saying, no, uh-uh. Jonah Williams, absolutely not. You know why? Maybe he's a good tackle. We don't know yet because he got hurt in training camp. Right. So we don't know what he's capable of yet. But I was the guy like, no, that's not a sexy pick. Oh, I mean, the pieces are in place right now. Let's go after a, let's go after a receiver. Let's go after a tight end. Well, Josh Allen fell to him, and I'm not mad at that pick whatsoever. I don't think any Jaguars fan is mad at that pick. But I'm the guy that I want to go sexy, man, because we're all set up. Offensive tackle, yeah, sure, whatever. But no, we're good. Well, now here we are. And that has to be addressed as well. If it's me personally, and I agree with you, it has to be rebuilt through the trenches first and then move outward. I think the San Francisco 49ers did a great job of that. The 49ers did that without even having a quarterback. When that was all put in place, what did they do? Then they got Jimmy Garoppolo. They said, Jimmy, come play for us. We have the pieces for you now. Let's be successful together. And guess what? They're pretty damn successful right now. Time will tell. If it's me and I get your point, offensive tackle, and assuming it's going to be a top 10 pick, obviously, or you pick him in the later rounds, uh, the later first round, I'm going defensive tackle first. Um, Clayus Campbell, we'll see. You know, this is a guy who's, let's be honest, he's showed a kind of a slower step this year. I think he's lost a little bit. And I think going forward with whoever you bring in as a, as a new regime, it starts in the trenches and it starts on defensive line and defensive tackle. I know it's deep, but there's some talented defensive tackles out there in the first round that I can see playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You, you have the bookends, which is very rare. You have Yannick Ngakwe, pay him, and you have Josh Allen. Now, tighten that stuff up a little bit with an, another legit defensive tackle. When we come back, we got Action News Jacks. John Bachman joining us. Johnny B. Talk all things sports, maybe some Jaguars. We'll talk about who the Vikings playing this week. We'll get into that a little bit later higher on ESPN 690. Whenever I was around Coach Madden, I was always like, man, this is the guy that had the video games growing up, you know? So when I met Coach Madden for the first time, that was a pretty surreal experience for me. You know, obviously Coach Flores, you know, still is involved in the in the organization a lot and is around a lot. So that was a really neat experience, and, and honestly, probably the best of all was, I'd call him Coach Davis, but when Al Davis was, was alive, you know, just being around him as a, you know, 27, 28, 29-year-old guy that's getting your foot in the league and it's your first position job, it's just, it, it was an unbelievable experience to be around him. Jaguars offensive coordinator John Filippo talking about some of his idols in the coaching game, joined by Action Sports Jack's Marcel Robinson and Listen, in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to share our uh, basically our letters to Santa of what we want to happen in sports. You know, we, We've all been good boys here, so hopefully we can see some of these things come to fruition. Brent Martineau is traveling to Oakland right now to cover Oakland. the Jaguars, but he may also be asking Santa Claus for a gift because Marcel Robinson has proceeded to take Brent Martineau's microphone, unscrew it, and pretty much break it, and now he's holding it in his hand like, I don't know, like you're a, like a DJ or something, I guess. I mean, it's it can be reassembled. I just, you know, 
unscrew here, knock, knock there. I'll, I'll fix it before he gets back. Take us through the thought process here, because for those that are just listening at home and not watching, the way I have it set up is I have like the traditional radio setup where I have like a, it's like an arm coming across my computer screen. So I feel like I'm Howard Stern, right? I can rotate, I can shift, I can do a lot of things, and I can sit back and be casual. It's what I'm all about, man. You have to be casual. Brent opted for whatever reason. I think it's for the fact that when we have guests in the studio, like Action News Jack's John Bachman joining us right now, when we have guests in the studio, I guess it's kind of hard to see over the arm. So Brent opted to take the arm off and go with a more old school setup where it's just like this tripod thing sitting on a, what do you call it? Just a stand? It's a Johnny Carson okay. stand. Yeah. It's okay. a Johnny Carson stand. It's great. I love the classic look that Brent has over there. And now Marcel, listen, I don't mean to interrupt your oh, train no, of you thought, know you're good, but man. I tweeted out a picture just now, Bachman <laughs> and Jax, yeah. because I what I am looking at right now is... One of a kind. <laughs> He's comfortable. He's got his mirror shades on, Very even casual. though we're indoors. I mean, I know deal. these fluorescents are wild and crazy. <laughs> He's got his full-on earbud things going, yep. whatever, the headphones, and then he's just casually laid back, holding this broken microphone by the cord, yes. just chill, not even all this straight on, it's just kind of half there, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, how's it going? I mean, I'm I, Marcel Robinson. I just feel like, you know, if, if I'm going to do this, I got to be me. Okay, but now let's be honest, though. Yes, you look very cool right now. I'm kind of jealous, not going to lie. Very. You look very cool, but your arm's going to get tired. So you're Without immediately going to regret that decision yeah. of breaking mm-hmm. that mic stand. Oh, just wait. No, we, no, no, hey, no. we still have another hour and a half to go on the show. Good luck with that. Cool comes with a cost. <laughs> I like that. Beauty, I, beauty that's is a pain. quote right there. Beauty, beauty is, is pain. pain. I like his better, but no offense to you. Okay, I, that, I, I just wish I could pull that off. Let's yeah. be honest. But uh, we're going to by Action News Jacks here, John Bachman. <laughs> and, and, and you heard uh, in the segment, John DeFilippo talking about some of his idols, yeah. you know, in, in the coaching trees and yeah. things of that nature. And I guess a, a question for both of you guys here is, and John, you follow football. You're yep. Iowa guy. You're I Minnesota am. Vikings guy. Yep. Uh, Marcel, Falcons guy, but obviously cover the Jaguars now. I guess as far as coaching heroes, alive or deceased, who would you guys want to just you know sit down and have a, a lunch with or something and just kind of pick the brains a little bit? Oh man, well I've got a lot of you know greats. You just mentioned the Vikings and the Hawkeyes, of course. You know yeah. I've had the pleasure of meeting Hayden Fry back in the day. Yeah, Ferentz, obviously legendary. Both those guys, right? And then of course Minnesota Vikings, Bud Grant, right? I yeah. mean all these great, great. But I would love to have lunch with Bill Belichick. And there who you go. wouldn't, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, now. He wouldn't. He he wouldn't never be able to separate. Like I, it, for me, it would be fun to be off the record, right? Of course, he would never have but an off there, the record. Yeah, I was gonna he say would there never is no do off record it. He Belichick. would never do it. So my idea of an awesome lunch would probably be miserable because he would never do what I would hope for him to do, <laughs> which is to just be the actual Bill Belichick, not the guy who says, yeah. you know. We're looking forward to Cincinnati. Well, I guess here's where you have to catch him, and this is kind of the Nick Saban effect. You have to hope that Bill Belichick wins a Super Bowl, and right after, like the next day, you ask him to lunch. Because then I feel like whenever Belichick it, wins a Super Bowl, like you kind of see this guy who's smiling a little bit, and he's more of himself. No, no, you no? know what? Not by the next day, he is. He's on, on, he is on he's, to Cincinnati. He's, he's, he's I'm on telling you, especially with the media, man. No way. Now maybe with you because you're a player and oh, you're, no, in that, you're, you're in that fraternity. Yeah. 
I think you could probably get him to crack a little bit more, but not yeah. with me. Are you kidding me? He'd see right. me coming a mile away, and it'd be like, no way. I got you. But I will say, speaking of the Falcons, too, I had the pleasure of knowing a little bit Dan Reeves, yeah, as, yeah. as if he's not with it. Of course, he's still around. I, I just mean, I'm not up there anymore, but yeah. when I was in Atlanta, I got to know him a little bit. One of the greatest, nicest guys around, by the way, there, Marcel. That's awesome. Well, and also your friends are Sean McVay as well. Or, yeah, you know, I mean, Sean McVay, you pretty which much. qualifies me for maybe taking over the Jags job, right? I mean, I feel like as long as you're Facebook friends with them, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're money to be the head coach for some, some kind what? of aspect. Yeah. Exactly. Who's an offensive coordinator? It's worked for an offensive coordinator yeah. position. Come on now. I mean, seriously. I think it's a, I think it's a fair assessment. Who we got real quick? You know what's funny for me that it's probably going to come out way out of left field, but for me it would be Coach K. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just because for me, and I had the opportunity to to meet him, which has been well documented. Uh, which yep. We exchanged words. Same with me. I met him too. We shared <laughs> both share our stories. My, yours is a little cooler than mine was. Still, one of my biggest regrets, probably of my entire career, was not shaking the hand of my all-time favorite basketball coach as he walked two feet in front of me. Yeah. Uh, but just for me, just because I grew up, you know, playing basketball way before I started playing football, and and just kind of always fell in love with the Duke program, like all the players that he's had come through there, and all mm, the basketball mm, that he knows mm, about. Mm. I just want just give me an hour, just pick your brain about. It. Just tell me about some stories. Tell me about some guys. Tell me about you know the Jay Williams back in the day. What was he like at Duke? Sure. Um, I just think, and he he just seems like he's just a chill guy. Like he, yeah. he seems like he wears sunglasses in, indoors. <laughs> so, Coach well, K. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 I'll be honest though. So. Say 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 Coach K comes to ESPN six ninety studio. I'm shaking his hand immediately. Well, here's the question though. Are you going for the handshake or are you going for the selfie? Because I know you and I see what you're wearing right now. Oh no, I didn't so get the handshake. Oh, you're going to take a selfie with him and no. post on Instagram. I mean, after, oh, the, hand- so after, after the, the handshake. After the handshake, but I get the handshake first. You, you don't if understand. If you had the option of one, what would you do? Handshake or selfie? Oh, oh, handshake. Only one. Handshake. Oh, I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't think you understand. Out of my entire career, that is by far my one biggest regret. As he okay. walked by, yeah. you guys have uh, a safe trip back, coach. Yep. You too, thanks. And like that, half a second as he walked by felt like an hour. I was like, do it. Yep. Do it. Do I, it. I, I, don't, I have two... Duke basketball stories to tell. Can I tell tell them both very quickly? You have time, man. All right, yeah. First of all, when I because I worked in Raleigh for four years, yeah. So I covered the Duke UNC games every year. It was news. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that, in that area, that's news, not just oh, yeah. sports. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it's news I, so I <laughs> I got there early one, during one of these games and stumbled into um, uh, Cameron, uh, innocently stumbled in. During a closed door practice, and I'm I'm telling you it was innocently because it really was. I didn't know what I was doing. I was new, you know, and uh, I stumbled in, and I'm like, oh, I am not supposed to be here right now. I was so scared. I got out of there fast. Thankfully, Coach K did not yell at me. I thought For he was sure. going to. I just I beelined it out. He, oh, I don't know. And if I'm he sure saw he would have. Oh, I'm sure he would have. Yeah. But you know, awesome. uh, yeah, Vill is crazy, right? Yeah. So here here's what I'll say. Uh, you can love or hate Duke, totally fine. Yeah. But you have got to respect the, the Cameron crazies yeah. because I was there when Roy Williams came back to Carolina. You know, he was at Kansas for a long time, right. came back to his yep. alma mater of, of Carolina. And the, the, the first game that he coached the Carolina basketball team back at Cameron Indoor Stadium, I was there for that game. 
And the Cameron Crazies, you know what they did? They knew exactly where the visitor's bus was going to pull up in the little roundabout <laughs> to walk the walkway down into the visitor's locker room, Oh, yeah, right? no gamesmanship coming at so you. So you know what they did? They lined that sidewalk with paper, yellow paper, gold paper, and colored in bricks as the yellow brick road. Yeah. <laughs> and then so they he they then then they lined the yellow brick road with Wizard of Oz characters. There were Dorothy's, <laughs> there were Lions, there were Tin Man's, one of my favorite Scarecrows. Scarecrows, yeah. And they were all along that walkway. The team and Roy Williams had no other option to get to the locker room than to walk down the yellow brick road. And they all held signs up that says, Roy, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> oh, man. It was awesome. Troll level. And, you know, oh, I can't even remember who won that game. I can't remember. Yeah. I, you have to go back and look what that game was. I don't recall who won that game. But if I had to I'll guess, tell you what, it was Duke, Duke fans won that game regardless. Yes, they won the game for and, sure. And I'll, I'll let you, uh, you know, get to the, the stories at hand here in a second. But I will say this about the Duke Blue Devils, and I get it. You got the Christian Leitners, right? You, I mean, even Grayson Allen, yeah. you know, Jacksonville's own, who I thought yeah. played uh, lacrosse when I first met him, but I was way off. <laughs> Have you ever heard that story? No. Yeah. So I we used to train referencing how he plays no, basketball. So, so we used to train at, at the same gym uh, oh. when I was in the off season. Okay. And uh, I heard he had a scholarship, so I go, "Oh, dude, you're going to Duke?" He's like, "Yeah, full ride." I'm like, "Very cool." And he was still in high school at the time. I go, "Lacrosse?" Uh, and he goes, "No." And then I'm like, oh, yeah, soccer, right? And he oh, goes, no. Try again. And he's, he's like, basketball. I'm like, oh. Like a, he let you so, off the hook. Well, no, because I, oh, I had no idea who gosh. this kid was, all right? right? So he said basketball. I'm like, okay, so it must be an academic scholarship, and you're walking on. But then don't get me. Hey, so oh, like, oh, I, I was judging oh. book by its cover, and that that's my yep. bad, Brett. Yep. Hey, I've called you Brett. John, that's my bad. But guess what? Then we went to the gym, and yeah. I saw him dunk a basketball. I'm like, went, oh, but oh, of course. Oh, that's now it. I see but why. of course. Now I see why. Basketball is a basketball hotbed, too. I thought it was only mm-hmm. football, so there you go. But, but, uh, the thing about Coach K, though, real quick, you know, Duke, it's easy to hate, but usually those programs like Alabama, where Saban can kind of come off as a little bit of an arrogant kind of guy, right? He's not the best to the media. But Coach K, to me, has always been class. You yes. know, he, he's always been top class. So while you may hate the culture and you may hate the program, usually what's associated with that is the head coach as well. Belichick, obviously, with the Patriots. But Coach K, man, I feel like you can't find a reason to dislike that dude. I, I can't agree with yeah. you more. I, I, yeah. I, I totally agree. All right, so what can people expect here on okay. uh, Action right. News Jacks tonight? What do you got for us? Well, a couple of things. First and foremost, I'm not going too crazy today, by the way. I, I took it it's easy Friday, on you guys. Man. I know, I know, I know. Oh, give it to us. Well, Come I, on, I'm now. trying to give people what they want. You know, you're driving in your car right now, or yeah. maybe you're logged on at work watching quietly while the boss is you know, not watching or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how that, how that works exactly. But um, I'm thinking, well, you're, you want to know what's happening for the weekend. So a couple yeah. of things. Number one, we got a lot of rain this morning, and we're going to get a lot of rain uh, maybe even some thunderstorms uh, coming through tonight, like overnight. Mm-hmm. So Mike's going to track all that. Mike Birch will uh, have the very latest for you and and his weekend forecast, which, by the way, looks pretty good. Okay, and I like that. then you want to know where to go out and eat, right? Okay. So we have the, hey, say no more. We have the original restaurant report every Friday night. Tonight, we, we, we talk about – I'm not going to tell you exactly – I'm not going to tell you the restaurant. Yeah. But we, we, we have – Pretty some pretty nastiness happening at a, at a local restaurant. Oh no! It involves live roaches. Oh, that's well, all I'm gonna say. Can you tell me off? No, this, <laughs> I got. Nope. Where, where's that's my called the tease, Austin. Yeah. That's called the tease. Called you the have tease. to watch tonight. Co- CBS 47, Fox 30, Action News, Jacks. It's there called it the tease. It's called if I go there tonight before I watch the show, I'm pretty bummed. Hey, I guess we'll, we'll see. 
be like that sometimes. Oh, it's man. It's the way it works. I mean, it's, this is a business, man. Don't, oh, don't, man. don't hate the player, hate the game. See, is that how it works? Uh, That's yeah, how absolutely. it works. Is that what the saying is? It's yep. just one of those things where do I watch it, do I not watch it? Because sometimes. Whoa, whoa. You always watch it. Oh, 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 thank no, you, Marcel. No, but I'm thank saying, you, Marcel. I'm saying for the food report, though, because it's going to break my heart if it's a restaurant that well, I, you know that I always go to. say the best time to go to those restaurants is right after. Right after that. For sure. I would think. But of course, I'm always watching. If I'm not watching, I'm Here's DVRing. What I know is, if you're Ben Becker, do you ever go out to eat on your own? Nope. No way. Never. <laughs> I don't take know how. He, yeah, like, I, and take out with a different name. Uber Eats. My name is Bob Johnson. <laughs> I'm ordering some food for Bob Johnson. John, real quick, because I yeah. actually teased and I was delivering my teases. Yes, sir. The Vikings. Because I mean, I'm tired of talking about the Jaguars, man. Uh, well, listen, as a Jags Viking fan. I will welcome any fans who want to just take a you know the rest of this the rest the of the season. Wagon. Hop on the bandwagon. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna beat San Diego. Okay. We're gonna beat the Packers. Yeah. And hopefully by then it won't matter whether we beat the Bears or not. Okay. Let's just call it that. And, Fair we're, and we're in the playoffs. The Vikes are in the playoffs. Oh, you heard it here first. Right here. ESPN 690. John Bachman. It's gonna Vikings happen. Vikings insider. I think we can go one and two and still get in. Coos, can we set that audio, please? There it is. All right. Enough said. John Bachman, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me, guys. See you, right. John. Happy we Friday. Come, happy Friday. I guess when we get back now, do you want to, should we talk to Santa Claus a little bit? Let's talk to the man in red. Let's talk to the man in red and give him some of our sports wishes. We've been good boys. Hopefully he can hear our answers, uh, answers our prayers, I guess, basically. We'll see. I have a pretty big list. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Joined by today by Marcel Robinson making a rare appearance. The Swagosaurus. I'm just going to start calling you Swagosaurus now, I guess. I'm with it. Yeah. Uh, safe chat with Brett Martineau as he's probably, where do you think he's at right now? He's, he's, he's in the air, right? No. Oh, no. They haven't left yet? Uh, I would say if they're in the air, they just got in the air. Depends on which pilot we have. We've got some questionable ones. Gotcha. Well, let's be honest here, Marcel. In terms of this season, there hasn't been a lot of cheer about. Thanks. Um, it's probably taken away some of your Christmas spirit, perhaps. Just put the Christmas tree up two days ago. Did you really? We're not putting them one up at all, actually. Because, so, I mean, we're going to go back home. So what's the point? Can't right? blame you. Yeah. Real tree or fake tree? Oh, fake tree, 100%. Does it have the lights built into it, or do you put the lights on yourself? Nope. They are, it's pre-lit, and I'm not ashamed. Hey, be be a little more lazy. Hey. Be a little more lazy. I mean, we put the ornaments on. That counts. Yeah. Well, and isn't it? I mean, you, you have a child as well. You have a daughter who is how old is she now? She's eight. She's eight years old, and I, and I have a four-year-old. And it's, how awesome is it the fact that, like... You know, when, when I got to the NFL and stuff and I was in my mid-20s, Christmas kind of lost its luster because, number one, you got to work during it usually, so you don't really celebrate it. And number two, like, you know, you're, you're old now, so it kind of seems like, eh, there's not much to celebrate anymore. But then when you have a kid, man, then it's like it's your goal to try to give them the best Christmas as possible. Now, that's also Santa Claus's goal, but it's also your goal to try to provide them with the best Christmas as possible. So, like, to me now, man, with the family, like, I kind of got, like, a new, I guess, uh a new lease on Christmas, if you will. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, for me, it's the same way for me. Honestly, I, I tell my daughter all the time is that is, I mean, literally, I do everything we do for Christmas just for her. Yeah. Like if, if she if I didn't have her, I probably wouldn't own a Christmas tree just because it'd just be me, me and my dog. And it's almost like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it. Like I usually t- I tend for me if if. You know, if I do do anything, we'll do our Christmas stuff at, at my house, obviously. And then sometimes I'll go home, like I'll go back to see my family up in Georgia because they, all, some of my cousins and my aunts and uncles, everyone still kind of congregates at my grandma's house in Folkestone. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, once she pops open her gifts and and she goes and does her thing, Christmas is over. I mean, yeah. I I think the past maybe 
three or four years, I've taken the Christmas tree down on Christmas. As Dang, you, man. <laughs> I don't wait. That whole wait to New Year's thing. Okay. Nah, we don't do that. All right, one more question. Ham or turkey? Oh, ham all day. Yo, ham. See, like, we still, like, back home in Wisconsin, like, I think we go turkey a little bit, too. But see, turkey yeah, makes like you sleepy, and I, I can't do that. Because <laughs> then you fall asleep on the NBA games. Oh, I got you. Well, especially nowadays. Like, back mm-hmm. then, it was kind of, yeah, whatever. But now, yeah, I, I get you. And I feel like there's always NBA games, and at least when I was a kid, there's always, like, some kind of, like, you know Sh- Shania Twain is? I do. There was always, like, a Shania Twain, like, Christmas, like, literally, like, every single year. So, like, it was just literally we're playing board games, watching Shania Twain for some reason. That's that's what I remember my Christmas. Really magical moments here. But mm-hmm. since we're trying to get in the spirit, man, and we're, we're trying to, you know, we're, Christmas is right around the corner. And we haven't really talked about it on the show, you know, and we haven't really celebrated anything yet. So I figured what a, what a better way on a Friday, on a, on a balmy Friday here. That kind of feels like the North Pole maybe a little bit. Let's go ahead and let's break out the old school thing that we used to do as kids and let's write letters to Santa. Okay? And and this can be about the Jaguars. This can be about any sports in general. It can really be about anything. I mean, if it's a cry for help, it's a cry for help. You can do whatever you want to do with your letter to Santa. Thanks. But uh, we, we both made some letters to Santa here. We're going to read them off. Coos, we really got to set the scene here, man. We got to have some sweet bed music in order to do this. All right, here we go. How's this? It's fair. Is this, is, is this Saw 12? <laughs> is this Saw 12? Hey, do you want to play no, a game? Uh, let's see what else we got. It is a little creepy, right? Is, that, is this Saw 12? You haven't even got into the good part. There's a good part. Hello, Marcel. See, it, it picked up a little. You hide behind the camera. Yeah. Now it's your job to... Yeah, uh, no. It's freaking I, me out. I am uncomfortable. Yep. Because all I can visualize is that puppet. All right. What about this one? I mean, I know I'm from Folksy, but we don't actually play banjos in the country. Hey, who sang the song, uh, Devil Went Down to Georgia? It's right on the tip of my tongue. Okay. But this is not him. Well, you're from Georgia. That's what it sounds like. All right, okay, let's hit me with number three. You know what? Oh, that's that's me right there. This fits the thing. This, this fits 100%. All right. So now, do you have any experience writing letters to Santa? Did you do it as a kid or not? Uh, I did not write letters to Santa, actually. Why not, man? What was up? Uh, I don't know. I, okay. I, I, because for the most part, I've always been like very like chill, laid back, kind of I get what I get type <laughs> Take of guy. Take it as it comes yeah, in. Yeah, okay. I mean, like I've always asked for things, yeah. obviously, but it's never been like a legit write it down. It's always just kind of been a casual, okay. man, I want this, and then yeah. it would just show up under the tree. Okay. Type yeah, of thing. I mean, it's been a while, but dude, I used to love writing, writing letters to Santa, man, because he always delivered. Right, like I remember, like third grade, it was a bike. Boom, got a bike. I was a good boy. <laughs> Fourth grade, I think I got a snowboard. Boom, snowboard. I was a good boy. Now, fifth until freshman year of high school, it was a Yamaha YZ125 uh, uh, dirt bike. It's a big ask. It's a huge ask. But I was on my best behavior. Gonna be honest, Santa Claus kind of let me down a little bit, and um, I never got that. Maybe I wasn't uh, as good a boy as I thought I was gonna be, but. Hopefully I can redeem myself here, and hopefully I can get some of my uh, my Christmas wishes answered here. But I'm going to let you go first. You're going to set the tempo a little bit. Kuz, do you have one as well or not? Yeah, no, I didn't. I'm a ba- I didn't. I'm not good. Okay, you, you just spent time getting that soft bed music, and that was about it. Okay, yep, no yep, problem. Yep. <laughs> Marcel and myself will take it from here. So, Marcel, this is your Christmas oh, this is it. letter to Santa for sports. All right, here we go. Dear Santa. As a loyal member of the Good Guys Club, I have just one wish this holiday season. (laughs) 
I don't ask for much. I'm not asking for fame. I'm not asking for fortune. I'm not even asking for love. I simply ask that you please remove the curse that has been placed on football teams in the state of Georgia. It is a well-known fact that the Bulldogs and Falcons have quite the ceiling that just so happens to stop one step before the mountaintop. All of my friends have experienced the treasures of rooting for a champion whenever the Home Shopping Network sells championship gear. I changed the channel because the tears just rolled down my face. <laughs> that whole 28-3 to 3 thing? This is a cry for help. Not cool, Santa. I appreciate the restoration of the Bulldogs' dominance, but dang, we can't get one? I've waited long enough. In the words of Riley Freeman, it's time to pay what you owe, Santa. <laughs> Nicely done. So that was a cry for help. That's kind of what I what I gathered from it. I just want one. You're you're kind of a broken man a little bit. I'm, I'm I just I'm just tired of at the end of football seasons just dropping to my knees and saying, "Well, that's Georgia sports. Off we go." Well, okay. So from that perspective, though, obviously you're a Falcons fan. You made that abundantly clear. I mean, Hawks as well. No. No, Threat, no, no, no. Well, no, no, no. no, it's just football. Yes. No one roots for the Hawks. Don't, okay. don't, don't listen to anyone. No one roots for Trey, the Hawks. Trey Young? What's up with that? People root for Trey Young. No one collectively roots for the Hawks. I mean, am I right? I mean, I, this is news to me. I'm kind of surprised. No, That's no, what no. I'm saying. No, 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 no. Okay, no. I mean, I, I get it. You're Oklahoma City Thunder fan. We've established. Well, are you even a Thunder fan anymore? I am. Thunder up. <laughs> thunder up. Even in the midst of our trials. Thunder up. Thunder All right. Up. All um, right. Yes. Okay, well, that was nicely done once That's again. That's all I want. More of a cry for but hey, you, you didn't ask much. I okay? just want a jacket from the Home Shopping Network that says Super Bowl whatever or National Champion whatever yep. with a year on it. That is after I was born. Okay, fair enough. Now, my phone's getting ready to die, so I got to charge it in <laughs> quick. Hang on. All right. Coos, we got the music again. Don't do the saw music. I want the, <laughs> uh, I want the wholesome. That's jolly. That's too jolly. I need, I need something more somber. I need snow falling. I, I need tiny tots with their eyes all glow, finding it hard to sleep at night, Coos. He needs Pop is in the, is driving trucks absolutely, absolutely. and left This is like a Christian Christmas. rock Christmas song. Absolutely not. Can you just give me one that Marcel had? Oh, there it is. There it is. All right. Let's start from the top here. And by the way, you can kind of see where my head was at, where I start with Jaguars. I go on to other sports, and then I come back to Jaguars again because I'm super passionate right now about the Jaguars. Dear Santa, what's up? It's Austin. Long time no see. Thanks for not getting me the dirt bike that I wanted for the past couple years. It is what it is. Hopefully you answer my prayers now. I want Josh Allen. Oh, I'm sorry. I want Yannick Ngakwe to be paid. Yannick Ngakwe, as you know, because you're a defensive-minded kind of Santa, he is vital to Josh Allen's development. And going forward, I'd like to see the Jaguars run a 3-4 defense with both those bookends playing at the same time. You know defense is better than I do, so maybe still a 4-3 defense. Nevertheless, Yannick Ngakwe has built the culture. It's time that he gets paid like a guy who has built the culture. I want Gardner Minshew as a starting quarterback. And no quarterback taken in the first round of the draft uh, this up-and-coming year. Yes, including if Tua falls to the Jaguars. I think Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy going forward. We just have to give him some time. He has the swag, he has the leadership, and he's shown glimpses of brilliance. Let's build a team around him and see if he can sustain that for the whole season. Now I kind of go off the rails a little bit. (laughs) 
I want Giannis and God. Oh my God. I want Giannis out of the Kumpo, aka the Greek freak, just to be happy. And if he's happy leaving Milwaukee when his contract is done this year, I'll be pretty bummed. But he's a great guy, and I can never be mad at him. So at the end of the day, just give Milwaukee one championship, and then if Giannis has to leave, so be it. I have nothing but respect for what that guy has done to the cities. I want the Jaguars uniforms to have a gold outline on their numbers. <laughs> I know, I get it. We're tired of switching the uniforms back and forth, back and forth, because you can't establish an identity. But Santa Claus, you understand, you are the red, you are the black, and you have the gold outline. There's swag there. So let's go ahead and put a gold outline around the numbers. That way, they don't look like practice jerseys. I want the rebranding of the Jaguars' defense to go from Saxonville to New Sac City. And in doing so, you can call either Josh Allen or Yannick Ngakwe, the sheriff of New Sac City. I like it. For those ki- for those kids listening right now who don't understand, New Jack City was a movie that your mom and dad probably grew up watching. Check it out. M- make sure you make sure. Uh, there's I think there's a lot of swearing, so maybe not. Check it out when you're over 13 or 14. Dear Santa, please give me Hunter Henry next year on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I understand the tight end spot is a necessity. But when you draft a tight end, it doesn't always work out that way. I get Hunter Henry's injury history, but at the end of the day, he's probably the best viable option. Give whatever that guy wants. Dear Santa, please give me a commercial with Gardner Minshew as Uncle Rico and Lamar Jackson as Willie Beeman. The the marketing dollars there would be off the charts. For those kids listening once again who don't know who Willie Beeman is, he's from a movie that your mom and dad watched called Any Given Sunday. Once again, get your parents' permission to watch that movie. There is some bad words in it and also some adult, adult, adult situations. Understatement. Yes. Um, Dear Santa, please get a beer-drinking bad boy in the PGA Tour so I can get pumped up about watching it again for Brent Martineau. Yes, Tiger Woods is cool, but he's on the back nine of his career. Give me more. If you don't give me that, then just let Brooks Kepka go full heel. Golf needs a villain. Give me a villain. And last but not least, and this is completely random, Dear Santa, please make a Broad Street Bullies movie and do it right. I don't care who stars in it. I think the story, and Kuz can attest to this, I think the story of the Broad Street Bullies it's one that needs to be told, and I think if you can tell a story about the Ferrari versus Ford in theaters with Matt Damon and Christian Bale, you can definitely make a Broad Street Bullies movie. Santa, thanks for listening. Hopefully you answer my wishes. Oh, man. Hey, can you say entitlement from my end? I mean... That was a long list, right? You said it, not me. Santa's got a lot of work to do. That was a long list. And it was funny because I started out like just, you know, I was going to go from the Jaguars and other sports. Obviously, the Milwaukee Bucks was in there. But then I just come like, oh, the Jaguars, man. Like, they just get to me. So it was mostly Jaguars related. But hopefully, uh, at least some of those prayers get answered. We'll see. That was a lot. Yeah. I mean, at one point, I thought Kuz was going to have to re-rack the music track. <laughs> I wasn't bringing it back. <laughs> yeah. But no, in, in all due respect, though, I mean, do you think Jackson going forward could be like Willie Beeman? I could see that. Yeah. Kuz, see do, that. do you know who Stephen Willie Beeman is? You can be honest. It's okay if you don't. You ever heard of a movie called Any Given Sunday? Oh, you're so young. You're so young and innocent. He's steaming. Yeah, Stephen Willie Beeman. So he was basically like the dual threat guy in the football movie, and he reminds me a lot of... Lamar Jackson, obviously. So, side note question: How many guys have you played with that have, um, 
can I phrase this? Regurgitated their liquids upon coming into the game. Oh, talking about throwing up. Yes. Where is this coming from? I mean, Willie Beeman. Oh, Willie Beeman. Oh, gotcha. Good call. So I'm going <laughs> to... That, that's a great question. So <laughs> are we talking about on the game or before the game? In like during the game, like on the field. Okay. The on the field... Honestly, I did it a couple times when I was sick, like my first couple years playing. You know, because when you're in training camp, you can't afford to miss. So, like, you go out there with the flu. Nowadays, I feel like you can miss. It's not a big deal. But Especially back, here. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But back when I played, like, yeah, I mean, you'd be sick, and then, you you know, you'd go off to the side and do your thing. But one of the things that really stands out to me in my mind was when I played for the Detroit Lions and the center of the name of Dominique Rayola. Okay. Do you, do you remember Dominique at all or not? Name. Okay, yeah. So I think he was on Sports Illustrated a list of like top guys that aren't liked by NFL players oh, because yeah. he was yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So Dominic, he had a couple things about him, man. Number one, so you know like each NFL team they have their own equipment staff. I mean they have like their own like uh, equipment guys, right? So right. one guy is associated to the defensive line, one guy is associated to the linebackers, you know, and each guy has their job of who to take care of. Dominic Rayola had his own guy, his own equipment guy. And that equipment guy's job, the only thing he had to do when we're at, like going on the road for away games was he had to bring the speaker system. Now, when I say the speaker system, Kuz, once again, a movie that you're probably too old to remember. You remember the movie Back to the Future? Of course. You remember when Marty McFly, to start out the movie, plugs into that amp and like it blows him back and the speakers blow out? It's like giant amps. Yep. Those amps were literally in the locker room of our away games. And it was the it was like the manager's job to get it all set up. So then, like Dominic Riola would like blast like you know the slip knots. He, he would blast the corn. He would blast all like the kind of the you know the hardcore kind of music and stuff like that. And literally, man, like to the point where your ears would almost bleed. And nobody, whether it was me who just got to the team, so I'm not going to say anything. Whether it was Indomitian Sue, whether it was Calvin Johnson or Matt Stafford, nobody ever said anything. But the reason that I bring up Dominic Riola was the fact from you said you know tossing your cookies, throwing up. He threw up before every single game. And I asked him, like, dude, like, do you just eat bad before the game? Like, what's up? He's like, oh, no, this gets me pumped up. Like, I have to do this to get pumped up. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, truth be told, sometimes I try to and I don't do it. If I don't do it, it means I'm not going to play well. I'm like, wow, man, that's that's really no way to live, but so be it. I guess to each their own, right? To each, uh, but that was like his pregame tradition. Is he had his giant speakers that the whole, I mean, the whole stadium could hear them during the pregame, and then he had to throw up. Okay, yeah, there I'm, you go. I mean, I, I I completely understand the whole superstitious thing. I, yeah. I mean, when I when I was playing, I refused to wear shoes to the field, just like I excuse would, me from the car to the field. Like I wouldn't put shoes on until I got to the locker room. So you play. walked in your socks. Yeah. And to this day, even playing flag football, I still do it. If it's cold or the ground's wet, I will walk from my car to the field with no shoes on. Time out, though. Okay, so say you're wearing socks. Yep. And Kuz, spoiler, we, we may go past this break because this is crazy. <laughs> so you go from your car, you wear socks. Yep. Do, do those same socks get warm when you play then? Yeah. So you play football with wet socks. If, if it's wet outside, that's what happens. Hey. This has turned into a sports show, more like an intervention for Marcel Robinson, who walks to a field barefoot when the grass is soggy and then plays a football game with grimy, 
I mean, wet socks. I mean, it's just like you said. If the the games that I have not followed that strict yeah. tradition, I have played well. But I mean, I play, not this, played well. Where is this coming from, though? Did you have that one game where it was like you did that and then you played well? Well, my last game when I was playing semi-pro football uh, was the best game I've ever had. And okay. I forgot my cleats in the car. Okay. So I went to the field and I was like, oh, I don't have my shoes. So yeah. I ran back to the car to get my cleats and I ran back to the field with just my socks on. Okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think my day is done. We should bring a psychologist <laughs> in here for like the next hour or so. But when we come back, we're going to go back to the NFL a little bit. we got to debate Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes. Who's had the better second-year campaign? Also, some more Jaguars news and some of the, the trending stories of the day here on ESPN 690. Good Lord put me in a great situation where I'm here with the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm here with great teammates, great organization. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I thank the good Lord for putting me here, and it's a special thing to be able to witness LJ accomplish special things. Um, you know, it's a franchise record for TD passes, a uh, league record for uh, rush, QB rushing yards. So, man, I'm just happy for LJ. He deserves it. He's a hard worker. And uh, that's what we're here for, to make his job easy and let him do what he does. Big trust. Whoa, whoa. That was Mark Ingram <clears throat> talking about more than likely probably the MVP front runner right now in Lamar Jackson. Did you see last night when they gave Mark Ingram the microphone after the game? I it have, was Aaron Andrews. I have no worries for, for whatever they give Mark Ingram. Did, did, did you see it? Did yes. you watch that, though? Yeah, I mean, and it's funny because from all my, like, because I was reading into it, and I guess he's always kind of been like this with his mm-hmm. personality. Always. But it's like we talked about. We had a guy with an Alvin Kamara with the New Orleans Saints who was kind of like that breakout star. Guy's got a nose ring, all right? He's a little alternative, right? He's kind of a, a different type of cat. And I felt like all the shine, all the glory went to Alvin Kamara when Mark Ingram was still doing his thing. And if you go back to the numbers of Mark Ingram in New Orleans, they were good, man. You know, just from the fact that Alvin Kamara, for whatever reason, probably more of a fantasy purpose, was the better back. Now fast forward, Mark Ingram comes to Baltimore, and I don't, I don't, I'm not going to call it a resurgence. I'm not going to do it because he's always been pretty consistent. But you can see his leadership. You, you can see his toughness. And you can see the culture has brought out the best in Mark Ingram. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you saw what the interview last night when he was interviewing his teammate Lamar Jackson. And I'll be honest, man. Cruz, you, you're a guy that knows this stuff. As far as cameos is concerned, does Mark Ingram have a cameo? I don't know. I, I can check. I mean, because if he doesn't, you're, you're missing you're missing opportunity to make millions, if not millions of dollars. Because Mark Ingram can hype up anything. I don't care if he's hyping up the Sunday service announcements. I don't care if he's trying to hype up, maybe breaking up in a relationship. Whatever it is, if you got Mark Ingram having your back, I feel like you can't go wrong. So if that guy's on Cameo, man, we almost got to get him on here just to kind of cut a promo for us because I feel like you cannot go wrong with it. But we kind of teased this question to start out the show. No, he's not. He's not on Cameo. He's lost. Um, So we kind of teased this question to start out the show. And I've said it religiously on the show. And listen, if you're a football fan, I'm not saying anything that you haven't heard before. But going from your rookie year to your second year is when you make the most progress. Mm -hmm. Happened with Patrick Mahomes. Now we see with Lamar Jackson as well. And there's a reason why Lamar Jackson is my fantasy quarterback in all my teams. Because when John Harbaugh came out, um, you know, after they drafted Lamar Jackson, and, they, and then the next year at the Combine, you know, the Ravens are all there, and John Harbaugh comes out and says, listen, we have a guy in Greg Roman who ran the offense in San Francisco, 
and we're going to do some some interesting things this year. And he said we're going to go from the traditional, you know, power run team and we're going to be more dynamic. We're going to get Lamar Jackson involved more and we're going to be an explosive offense. And I think a lot of people when John Harbaugh maybe said that were like, well, every coach is going to say that, right? You're trying to hype up the team. That's what every coach does at the combine, at the press conferences. But say what you want about John Harbaugh and say what you want about even Jim Harbaugh. I think that you cannot, you can't say I'm wrong when I say that the Harbaugh's, they're, they stay true to themselves. They're, right. they're not going to lie to you. Right. So when John Harbaugh came out and said, we're going to do some new things this year, you know what? I believed him. And he was right. They're doing some new things this year. So I guess when we go off of Patrick Mahomes' stats from last year, you know, and this was a guy who comes out of Texas Tech, I'll be honest, didn't know a lot about him, okay? Obviously, Andy Reid uh, was a huge fan of him. Obviously, the gym at the time was a huge fan of him because they kind of went above and beyond. They traded some guys away to get Patrick Mahomes. Now, it's funny because some of the draft experts were like, why would you get Patrick Mahomes? You have Alex Smith. At least a couple more years, he's serviceable. Why would you trade up to get a guy that's probably going to fall to you? Well, Andy Reid knew something that we didn't. And guess what? Probably one of the best decisions in Chiefs history, if not the history of the NFL. So when we go back to 2018, and granted, this is Patrick Mahomes' second year. Because remember, the first year, he got in a couple games late in the season, but Alex Smith was the guy. Correct. So we're talking about a monumental, groundbreaking type of year. He was the MVP. 5,907 yards, 50 touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. Now, obviously, yeah, the yards are great and everything like that, but the big thing is the touchdowns. The guy threw for 50 touchdowns, and Brent and I had a bet going on that I bet Mahomes would be over 40 touchdowns this season. Now, the injuries didn't help my case at all, and that's something that that is what it is. But when we're talking about 50 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and a quarterback rating of 113.8, that's pretty impressive. But my question to you, Marcel Robinson, with those numbers in mind, with and let's be honest, last year at this time, Patrick Mahomes was the talk of the town. He was everywhere. Mm-hmm. He was going to change the position of quarterback. I think he's still doing that, but let's be honest. He's had some injuries this year, and with those injuries, I think people have felt like he regressed a little bit. But now enter Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson right now, 28 passing touchdowns, 7 rushing touchdowns, 2,600 and some and some change in, in the passing yardage, and over 1,000, obviously, just broke Mike Fick's record. So 1,100 yards rushing. Whose performance is more impressive to you, Patrick Mahomes of last year or Lamar Jackson of this year? Uh, see, see, it's kind of tough for me. Um, if I have to pick one, I would probably lean towards Lamar simply because the steps that he made – Coming from last season to this season, um, I won't say there are leaps and bounds, but he's improved so much of what he was not necessarily deficient, but what he wasn't as great at last year. I mean, last year the book was what, you know, they're succeeding because he's running the ball and he's not the best passer where he's come out this year and he's making every single throw possible. Uh, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes last year, still, like you said, coming into the year very much under the radar, still a little bit. And then kind of as time went on, people were very much like, Yo, who's this kid? Like, mm-hmm. let me tune in a little bit. Um, I was fortunate enough to see him. Well, unfortunate because of the circumstance. But last year, I was in Kansas City for the Jaguars game, and just to see the like his command over um, the huddle, yeah, and, and, and just especially over a, with a young kid too. Right, like, the guy's still young. Right. You know? I mean, I mean, he, he's it's it's 
by that point, he probably, yes, had captured the team, you know, you know, taking control of it. But just to see kind of how in command he was, nothing rattled him. No, no situation was too big for him. Um, I mean, a lot of that is some of the same stuff you're seeing in Lamar right now. Mm-hmm. But if, like I said, with with the the running aspect, of course, just seeing from how he's improved last year. I mean, look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I remember Patrick Mahomes from his, you know, his play during his rookie season, so to speak. But because Lamar Jackson was so much in the spotlight as a rookie, and then went in and put in the work, teams know knew some of what to expect, and now now you definitely know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's harder for teams to figure him out. Like we like we saw last year coming into this year, a lot of teams not necessarily have figured out Patrick Mahomes, but there's there's still a little bit of a kind of okay, we sort of know what we're gonna get. I mean, with Lamar Jackson, the fact that the dude runs a solid four or five is just a game changer. I mean, it's yeah. it's something that you just can't dismiss. Can't Patrick, teach speed. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes is far from a statue. I mean, he, he'll move around, and he'll make plays with his legs when he Very when he mobile. has to. Yep. But I mean. I mean, it just seems that Lamar Jackson has improved his passing game so much from last season to this season that I have to give the nod to him. So from your perspective, I mean, let's say for whatever reason the Ravens go to the playoffs and they lose, you know, they'll have to buy the first week more than likely, but then they lose the first round after that. I mean, is that going to sway your decision at all? I don't think so. I don't think so because I think, to be honest with you, I think last year I think Kansas City had the better team Mm. overall. I mean, on, on offense, yeah, we have. You know, Lamar Jackson has, of course, Mark Ingram this year. He has Hollywood Brown, yeah. you know, uh, Willie Sneed he's throwing too, and he's got Andrews and Hurst at tight end. But last year, I mean, Tyreek Hill, game changer. I mean, is it fair to say Tyreek Hill and Hollywood Brown are kind of a wash? Maybe, but Tyreek Hill is, is probably Time will the tell. Yeah. Time will tell. True. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Travis Kelsey, you know, still one of the best tight ends in the game. Mark Andrews, though, is starting to become one of that the, the bona fide tight ends from the Ravens. Very fair, yeah. but at this very moment, yeah. I mean, I, no, if, if I have to choose between the two. Probably the best tight end in the game right now. Um, yeah. Travis Kelsey, and, and, I mean, the dude's just good. I mean, mm-hmm. both of them are good, but like I said, with Lamar Jackson's running ability, what he can do. Being able to turn, I mean, Patrick Holmes can turn nothing into something. Sure. But for what Lamar Jackson can do with his dynamic, he literally might be unstoppable. Well, and these two players, and Patrick Mahomes and then Lamar Jackson, they had so much in common really going into even this season, right? Because if you remember back, Patrick Mahomes, like I mentioned back in 2018, I'm sorry, 2017, played in a couple games. Like Alex Smith was the man, and he was going to pass the torch on to Mahomes. Well, the Chiefs had a pretty successful season, and they thought, well, you know what, well, the last couple games, nothing to play for because we're already cemented. So let's go ahead and put Patrick, give Patrick Mahomes the ball a little bit. And I remember distinctively a game against Denver where Mahomes came out and balled. So you saw the potential right off the get-go. It was a small sample size, granted, yeah. but you saw the potential. And then enter Lamar Jackson, right? Joe Flacco ends up going out, and Lamar Jackson comes in. And the Ravens at the time, last year, you know, they're still hunting for the playoffs. And they win whatever, five, six straight, and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson's like the man. And we saw the small sample size with Lamar Jackson as well, but it was a sample size that was predicated on running the football. Right. right? Like, we didn't get a chance for him to showcase his arm because, well, they didn't really have to. Right. Uh, running the, that power game worked really well. But the, you both saw the small sample size. Now, I think Jackson gets the edge a little bit, obviously, because he led the team to the playoffs. Oh, they, they, didn't, they didn't do a lot in the playoffs. You know, uh, Gus Bradley and that defense shut him down. But you made it there. But you still made it there. You know, and I think they still won the division, if I'm not mistaken, that year as well. So the sample size is a little bigger for Jackson. And also, I'll say this about Patrick Mahomes, and, and I agree with you. I'm siding with Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson's numbers this year, and more importantly, what he's been able to do as leader of that team, 
is more impressive than even Patrick Mahomes of last year throwing 50 touchdowns, which is a number you may never see again for the next decade or so. But the reason why I'm so impressed with it is because when Patrick Mahomes came into the season back in 2018, you knew what he had. You knew Travis Kelsey was already established as a pretty legit tight end. You knew Tyree Kill was very intriguing, a speedster, and you know he was probably legit as well. You knew Sammy Watkins coming over was already going to be the man. And you know that you had an offensive line. You also had Kareem Hunt at the time, who was one of the best running backs yep. uh, from a fantasy perspective in yep. the NFL. Now, granted, Kareem Hunt ran into the problems and everything like that, and he didn't make it through the season. But you knew you had all those weapons at your disposal. And with Lamar Jackson, even last year, you didn't really know what you had. Right. You had a bunch of running backs that were kind of built the same, that ran the same style, you know, and with Gus Edwards. You had a receiving core with John Brown, who was the speedster. Um, you know, you had some decent tight ends, but you didn't really know. They're more of a defensive-minded team. Mm-hmm. So going into this year, the expectations for Lamar Jackson were just kind of like, well, I don't know, let's see if he can build off it. But there's no way he's going to be able to stay healthy with the way they're doing things right now. And if you look at the Chiefs' weapons right now, and I'll say this, Patrick Mahomes taking nothing away from you, man, because you're one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Don't get me wrong. You're a former MVP, and you've earned it. But what's really going to tell the story of Patrick Mahomes going forward, and if he's going to be one of the elite quarterbacks of all time, is when those contracts start coming out, when Travis Kelsey gets his new contract, when Mahomes gets his new contract, uh, Tyreek Hill already got his new contract. But when they start dishing out all this money, and you can't have the same team that you're playing with right now, a la Aaron Rodgers, you're going to find out what kind of quarterback he is. Because right now, you're surrounded by a great quarterback and a great play caller and Andy Reid, and you're also surrounded by great talent mm-hmm. um, as a tight end position, at the running back position, even though it's a little banged up right now, and obviously at the wide receiver position of the Kansas City Chiefs. On the other side of the coin, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens, I can't, I mean, yes, you got Hollywood Brown, you got Seth Roberts, I think, uh, I think you got Willie Sneed, the fourth. Sneed, yeah. I mean, Let's be honest. These guys aren't getting big contracts. Well, obviously, Hollywood Brown will see. He's still, he's still a rookie. But the other receivers? And the greatest game scene, they're just guys. Yeah, they're, they're just guys. You're, yeah. you're, you're throwing the guys out there. Mm-hmm. You're throwing touchdowns to just guys. All due respect to those guys, but let's be honest here. They're not household names. Right. And from the tight end position, I get it. Mark Andrews could be the next Travis Kelsey. Uh, Nate Boyle does, I'm sorry, Nick Boyle does a lot of things for them, as well as Hayden Hurst. You know, your boy from his draft party. They do a lot of things. But none of those guys, maybe Mark Andrews, are going to garner a top contract. Maybe Mark Andrews eventually. But Hayden Hurst isn't going to do that. Nick Boyle just got paid. So I think with what you see now, and Mark Ingram, of course, too, as well. We didn't know what Mark Ingram was going to be. We knew Mark Ingram was a good player. But we know he was going to be like this for the Ravens. So with all those things considered, you have to give the nod to Lamar Jackson just because going into the season, it was uncertainty. You had no idea what you had at the wide receiver position. You figured tight ends would be okay. You didn't really know what Lamar Ingram was going to do. And all this thing runs to Lamar Jackson. So with all those uncertainties, all those unknowns, the one constant this year that's made that offense go, Lamar Jackson. So he has my vote as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, like I said, uh, with all that, because of, like you just said, with the people that he's throwing to, he's still able to, you know, when, when need be, you know, yeah. torch up a defense. And that's the, that's the scariest thing. From a guy who last year where you were never worried about him beating you with your arm, your your number one concern was, hey, if we can keep him contained, you know, keep him from running around and running running by us, we're okay. Well, just like last year with Patrick Mahomes, 
Dude terrifies the secondary. He can make every throw. He can make he can make a window out of no window. Yeah. And it seems like Lamar Jackson's doing a lot of that this year. You know, he's he's making throws where you're kind of like, well, he was he wasn't doing that last year. Um, and I think that's obvious. And that's just one thing where it's like you said, the next stage of his progression. Like, what's next? Like, he's already torching up defenses with his arm, with his legs, and he he can make something out of literally nothing. I mean, you. Set the ball over his head, he's probably going to cap it with a 15-yard run. Yeah, you know Patrick Mahomes when he run, he's like I said he's mobile and he, and he will when he has to, but he runs. He's sort of like a Russell Wilson. He runs to create opportunities. He's running around to give his guys a chance to make a play. With Lamar Jackson, he does that, but he he can also has you know what I'm the fastest guy on the field. I'm just going to run. Like I'm sure. just going to go. Yeah, and I, and I think ultimately that one um, ability is the one thing that gives him, him the nod for me. Yeah, and that's the thing. You put, And then granted, it's a lot to do with the offensive play calling and the philosophy, but I feel like you put it Lamar Jackson on any team, and the guy's going to be a weapon because mm-hmm. his, his ability to run will always trump all, until, at least for right now. We'll see how defenses respond to it. Defenses always respond. With Patrick Mahomes, you put him on the Dolphins right now. You put him on, uh, who's another, uh, you put him on the Jaguars right now. You know how 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 much does he elevate the guys around him? And now it's obviously a question that can't be answered, but it begs the question. So I agree with you with Lamar Jackson, but this is kind of my point, and this is what I want to get to here. So if history is an indicator, there's always that one guy coming from his rookie year to his second year that kind of has that breakout campaign, right? right? It was right. Patrick Mahomes. Now it's Lamar Jackson. If we look at the quarterbacks this year that are rookies right now, and obviously Gardner Minshew's part of it, and this is what I want to tie it to. If we look at the quarterbacks this year drafted, you got Daniel Jones, you got Kyler Murray, you got Dwayne Haskins, you got Drew Locke, uh, and I'm going to put Ryan Finley in the list too because we don't know what uh, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do. And then obviously you have Gardner Minshew. Out of those seven quarterbacks that I named, the history shows us, or at least the odds are showing us, that maybe one of those guys is going to have a breakout campaign and be the next big thing going into the next season. If you were to say, and once again, the quarterbacks Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Drew Locke, Ryan Finley, Gardner Minshew, out of those quarterbacks, do you see any of those guys being breakout stars next year? Um, I definitely think there are a couple there that have, you know the potential. To, I mean, obviously, all all of them have the potential to be. But yeah. if I was to go down and listen, if someone were to ask me how many I thought had a, a legit chance of of you know making taking the next step, I would say maybe two, maybe three. Yeah. Um, Gardner included, depending on you know how the rest of the season goes and and what happens around him and whatnot. But I think that um, I think Kyler Murray has a chance just um, from his athletic ability. I mean, yeah. I could see maybe not necessarily the same as Lamar, but a similar. Uh, type of progression, him coming in next year and, and still being of use his athletic ability to create opportunities for him mm-hmm. and people around him. Uh, but that's the other question: Who's going to be around him? You know, is, is Larry Fitzgerald going to hang it up? And, and you know, is he going to have anyone come in to take that particular role? Honestly, I think Daniel Jones could take that next step. I think that we saw, we saw enough of him, and you know, before the injury, to kind of show some glimpses that you know he's he has the tools. I uh, it just it's just a matter of like you said coaching and, and offensive play calls and getting him some guys around him that can make plays. I mean he's not going to give you any Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes type of jump, but sure. I think that he has a potential too. I mean like and same thing with Gardner. I mean it's uh, the quarterback position is hard, man. You're you're only as good as the guys around you. Yeah, I mean you can be well, and that's a great point. You look at Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. He he had the weapons at his disposal. You look at Lamar Jackson. We didn't know the weapons are going to be good, but now we're seeing those weapons around him are pretty legit. And like the names that you just named there, Marcel, Kyler Murray, 
in Arizona. Nah. Dwayne Haskins, obviously. Zero weapons, really. Um, Drew Locke is intriguing, you know, with Cortland Sutton now and Noah Fant. Mm-hmm. But, and then Daniel Jones, he has the weapons as well. It's like the guys that seem to have the success going in the second year, they have to have the guys around them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. It, it's funny. We always go back to uh, Giselle's statement about Tom Brady. He can't throw and catch the ball. I mean, obviously she was saying it in defense of him, but she's absolutely <laughs> right. I mean, literally, I mean, if you're if you're a quarterback, it's natural as a quarterback. If you are playing on a team and you have all of your targets and – you and they drop balls constantly. Don't run the wrong, right routes. Their reads are off, and, and just for whatever reason, they're not playing up to the ability you need them to. You naturally have a tendency to second guess them, which automatically makes you a half a second or half a step slower with what you need to do, which throws everything off of me. I mean, you play the game, obviously. You know, yeah. on, on offense, it's all one big dance. Everyone has to be in unison. You, you're supposed to be in this spot at this time. If you're not there, I'm throwing it there trusting that you're going to be there if you're not there then i don't know if i can throw you the ball mm-hmm. and, and obviously that comes on the quarterback you, you see all these rookies kind of hanging back or holding the ball too long because they don't know you know what to do yet they don't know what the contingency plan is yet because they haven't seen this before and they end up taking you know sack after sack or throwing away picks and whatnot like that and i think with with lamar jackson and patrick Mahomes coming back to them they've put in all the work and they've built this you know this camaraderie b- between them so that they trust each other and they know like look i know my guy's gonna get me the ball so i gotta get to where he wants me to be and i i, I think a lot of those guys on that list they don't have that because yeah. one they're rookies two they're unproven and they haven't shown that they can you know command that type of respect yet and, and i guess that's why i'm still big on Minshew. right because i'm not saying Minshew's gonna have that lamar jackson patrick mahomes you know season next year because I don't think they have the, the they don't have the line right now. They don't have the line. They don't have the weapons. I think we've seen glimpses from the receiving core, but we don't know quite yet. But my point is the fact that okay, so if you want to take one of your first round draft picks and you get a quarterback in Jacksonville, and maybe you want him to compete against Gardner Minshew right off the bat, so be it. But you have to make sure it's a good situation for that quarterback because, like I just said, we we mentioned Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray. Uh, Drew Locke's a little exception because he came in later, but those guys right there, really been, I mean, yeah, they're, they're putting up numbers, but let's be honest, they're not winning a lot of ball games, and I haven't really been impressed with any. Honestly, the guy I've been most impressed with, set aside from Gardner Minshew, is probably Drew Locke so far. And Drew Locke's played, what, two games? Yeah. And that's all I have to go off of, his sample size. So we got to remember, too, I get it, the rebuild, the rebuild, the rebuild. you got to draft quarterbacks, draft quarterbacks. The more, the merrier. Yeah, but you got to make sure that you have the team around them to be successful. Because it doesn't matter if you bring in Herbert, Tua, or whoever else it is. If you bring in a quarterback to this team right now, they're not going to play well. And guess what? If they don't play well right off the bat, you run the risk of losing that confidence. We saw it with Blaine Gabbard. I was there, man. Okay? You saw a little bit with Blake Bortles as well. So I want to continue this conversation after the break here. we got to talk about... So if you are the new regime coming in, and you see Gardner Minshew there, you see Nick Foles there, what does Gardner Minshew have to do for you in the next three games to say, you know what, this Minshew guy, this Minshew Magic type of character, I like what we see here. We'll talk about it next on ESPN 690. I mean, we're not an unfinished product yet, guys. We, we know that, and we're just trying to get them better each and every week. I think there com- there, there's a fine, uh, there's a thermometer to that where as a young player, it, you, you try to push them, but if, you know you can't push them so far over the top that they're, they go, they they get gassed out. So you just try to do it incrementally as time goes. You say, hey, he's ready for the next challenge. Just put it on him, and so on and so forth. Defensive coordinator of the Raiders, Paul Gunther, there, and 
It's funny because he's absolutely right, especially talking about the rookie class coming in, the younger guys, where you can't redline them. You know, coming from college, going to the NFL, they always say you hit that proverb- the proverbial rookie wall, and then that's a real thing. I'm here to tell you that's a real thing for sure. But it's funny, too, because I feel like on the defensive side of the ball where there's so much more, I guess, intensity and um, just, I guess, I don't say rah-rah, but, you know, there's just there's a lot more grit and toughness as opposed to the offensive side of the ball where it's more you have to be calm and calculated. Yep. So it's funny. And listen, I, I don't know the numbers, and maybe someone should do some research on this. I'm sure it's not out there right now. But, like, from the perspective of rookies getting hurt, uh, or like rookies hitting that proverbial rookie wall, I wonder how much of it is guys on defense and what percentage of it is guys on offense. Because if I was a betting man, which I'm not really, only uh, we're talking about fights sometimes, but if I was a betting man, I would be willing to put my money down and say the guys on defense I think are more susceptible to injuries just because of what that side of the ball asks from them. And it's more of a... I guess of a fatiguing side of the ball, I guess, if you will. You know what's funny you say that? Because I think that I've thought about that, and I think a lot of times that, like, it wouldn't shock me if it was the offensive side of the ball. Really? Simply because the, I mean, because with defense, you know, obviously you, you, you know, you know it's acts of you and yeah. everything. Same thing with the offense. But at the same time, because of the way the game is going now mm-hmm. and everything, um, you can't really simulate the actual game action on offense. Like, I, I don't know how it is with every other team, so I can't speak for them. But sure. I know for a fact that as far as, like, you know, coming into this year, you know, it was a little bit of a lighter training camp and everything like that. Like, the, there's never really a true live period for offense. Mm-hmm. And I feel like once you get into the game, it's it's very much different. You know, like, obviously quarterbacks are live or not live. Correct. But, but, but even with, like, wide receiver and running backs, when you're in practice, you know, you're not getting hit. You know, you're not taking shots. And, and in a lot of times, you're, especially when you're doing like these seven on seven or skeleton drills, like you're not going full go 11, which, which obviously something you can speak to. It can't be simulated. Yeah. You know, 11 guys that don't like you who want to essentially kill you mm-hmm. against 11 guys who are trying not to be killed. I feel like you, you can't really simulate that. Now, I can see how you could say that on defense because when you're practicing in defense, you're not trying to kill your own guys. Correct. You're not trying to, you know, go super loud with your own guys. When you get in the game, you're, you know, unleashing everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also feel like on the offensive side of the ball, like you're taking shots that you wouldn't normally take, you know, in practice, preparing up to the game. No, that's a good point. Um, And also you're probably going a little bit harder. Um, and I, I think that's why we see a lot of those soft tissue injuries, hamstrings. Mm-hmm. So Mike Evans has pulled his hamstring. He's done for the year. Sure. Um, you know, sprained ankles and, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, like groins and stuff like that. Because in practice, naturally, you're not, you're expected to go full go, but you're, I mean, let's be honest, you're really not going full go except on game day. Yeah. And I feel like we've seen a lot of soft tissue injuries. Now, whether they play or not is, is, you know, that's another story. Correct. But I feel like there are a lot of soft tissue issues yeah. when it comes to the body of the guys on offense for that reason. I guess I'm just biased because I had Joe Cohn yelling at me for the, <laughs> like, the, the first three years of my career. But I get what you're saying, though. And I think from a mental standpoint as well, I mean, all you got to do is look at the playbooks, right? right? Like right. my playbook, my rookie year, it was like a magazine. It was like ESPN the magazine. <laughs> and the offensive playbook, because I remember, because uh, one, one of my good friends, his name was Deja Kareem. He was yep. the sixth-round pick out of Southern Illinois. And we were really good friends, obviously, both rookies and everything. And I remember seeing his playbook, man. I'm like, when I was the guy, I was like, hey, let's go get some dinner. He's like, 
dude, I have to go over this playbook, man. And, Bible. And, yeah, and it was like a King James edition, Old and New Testament coming <laughs> at you. Like, it was that thick. So, yeah, I guess it's a great point. I mean, I, I wonder what the numbers would say, but I guess there's pros and cons uh, to both. I guess from the mental standpoint, for sure, offense. And, and, and I'll be the first one to admit that. From the physicality standpoint, you could probably make cases for both sides. Want to do a little ball and phone? Why not? Let's well, ball and hey, ball. Hey, before we get into ball and phone, I'll tell you what's really balling. Little Vida de Louis. can bring us home. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Hey, check out VitaDeLouis.com, the best-tasting tequila on the market. Hey, look, Christmas time is coming up. It is. Trying to figure out what you're trying to buy. Preach. Your adult friends. Come on. Come on. What what goes better with eggnog than tequila? Yeah. Either you celebrate good times or you celebrate because the in-laws are in town and they're not so good times. Either way, VitaDeLouis has got your back, I feel like. Smoothest tequila around. You've heard us. Are, we are big, big fans yeah. of Vida de Louis. I think there's a bottle over there I might get into. There, there's a bottle over there. Yep. <laughs> but nonetheless, check out VidaDeLouis.com. They have a wide assortment of tequila, and I guarantee you will not be disappointed. Can, can you pronounce the two new flavors? I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, my gosh. Um, I've got Reposito. Right, not bad. Reposado. Um, Here comes the other one. See, I'm a, I'm a Blanco guy, so I don't... Okay, I, okay. I, so Name dropping. Try, and Yeho, there it is. There, there try, it is. Trying to get out of this segment, I appreciate it, but not bad, man. I'm, I mean, I, I just, you know hey, what? you know what? I put you on the spot and you pass with flying colors. Before we go to break, speaking of getting put on the spot real quick, so Gardner Minshew, yep. we talked about it a little bit. Three games left of the season. Right. New regime coming in. He's the young guy. I get it. It could be a battle between Foles and Minshew. One would think that the new regime coming in goes with the young guy. Yep. If they do go with Minshew and he is the man going forward, mm-hmm. what does he have to show you? If you're the coach coming in for the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you're the GM or whoever, what does Gardner Minshew have to show you the next three games to ensure that, you know what, this is the guy going forward? For me, it's very simple. Um, obviously, uh, I mean, other than the obvious win, yeah. I need to know if, if he's a guy, can I say, hey, we need to drive down and score a touchdown right now? Can he can he step on the field and say, look, we're going to go down there and we're going to do it. We're going to put points on the board. I think that's the one thing I need to be able to, if I'm a coach coming in, I need to see because at that point I know, hey, look, now I know that when it comes down to it, crunch time, two minute, four minute, whatever like that, I got a guy who can not just manage the game, can take over a game. And as was passed down to me from Joe Cohen, my former defensive line coach, he always told me these last games of the season, he said, you got to play your tail off. Why? Because when teams come in, especially a new regime, or a team is interested in you bringing you on as a free agent, they always go back to your final three games first, and then they work backwards to the beginning of the season. Right. Because the philosophy is, you know what kind of, I mean, yeah, obviously your skills will pop up on film, but those last three games of the season, especially when the playoffs are not in reach, 
it shows you what type of culture guy you are. It shows what type sure. of what type of player you are and how much you love the game of football. Because if you're slacking on on film, well, then they're not probably going to bring you in or keep you around. So from Minshew's perspective, obviously we know he loves football, and then obviously that's not even in question. But from what he has to do from my standpoint, and I get it, winning games is the most important thing. But I think if he has consistent, you know, days of let's say three touchdowns, one interception, and he keeps the Jaguars in it. I think he's got a really good chance of being the quarterback next year. Because if you look at the team right now, and coaches will think this way too. Yeah, it's Minshew and he's the quarterback, but he doesn't have a lot of help around him, especially on defense. True. Right? So I guess my question, my last final question to you, then we'll go to break here is, would you rather see Minshew have that, you know, maybe like a 130 quarterback rating, a really good rating, but go 0 and 3? Or would you rather see Minshew go 3 and 0, but have Maybe like a 60 quarterback rating, like a, like a not a very good rating. What uh, do you think is more important? I think it's going to sound very con- contradictory to what I just said, but I think absolutely <laughs> yeah. uh, the latter versus the former. I mean, I don't sure. care if, if you can go out there and, you know, throw whatever, you know, stats yeah. on the board. Um, I think a little bit of that is kind of uh, questionable just because he doesn't control what the defense does. Yeah. So if they go out there and lose, if the Eagles out there and averages, you know, that particular quarterback rating and they're losing games by, you know, seven or 14 but the scores are like i don't know 28 35 or 20 to 31 then i'm like okay you know you know that that's fun um but i think being able to you know see i don't know now that i think about it i think i would be okay it depends on how how what the score is yeah i mean there is no right answer here you know it's all speculative but i think now that i think about now that i talk my way through it i think i'd probably end up sticking with uh my original like i mean if like I said, if if they're putting up points and they're putting up numbers and the offense is functioning, but they're 0-3, then I'm like, okay, I see that we've got a little bit of offense that we can build upon, but I know we got to fix the defense. Well, regardless of what side you want, we can both agree on here that the fact that you're playing Oakland Raiders team on defense right now who is struggling in the secondary, and all things considered, even though your best receiving threat in DJ Chark is out, you should probably be able to dominate and put up some pretty good numbers. 100%. Hopefully I mean, you can get out of your slump. I mean, football is a game of depth. I know DJ Chark is our, it looks like our best receiver right now, but yeah. it's next man up. Somebody's got to go out there and make some plays. Kuz, yeah, let's go ahead and go to break here. I was just going to say, good timing there, Kuz. Great timing. I think when we come back, Kuz, you got a little game for us? You got uh, some hot takes or something like that? What, what are we calling this next segment coming up here? Well, I'm wanted to call it ten and, or 20 and 10. 20 and 10. But we don't have 10 minutes. <laughs> We don't have 10 minutes, so that's a horrible tease uh, coming back from this segment. <laughs> but hey, stay tuned because we're going to play something new or try something new here, I guess, on the show. Uh, hey, it's a Friday. Let's see what we got. More from ESPN 690 when we get back. Welcome back to ESPN 690. Going through the final segment here, getting ready to put a bow on the show, as our boy Brent Martineau would say. Uh, hopefully, he's having safe travels to Oakland. I was joined today by Mr. Marcel Robinson. Yep. Gonna be honest, the show never looks so good, man. I'm just I'm just here to do my part. Uh, and that you are. You broke uh, Brent's microphone, and it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> you're don't lie and say your arm's not getting tired because you've switched hands now with the microphone. Well, that's just a comfortability thing. It ain't a comfortability thing. You're starting to get fatigued. Don't lie about well, it. Well, no, I'm not tired, but I I realize whenever I hold it with my left hand, I'm like blocking the camera. Marcel, I'll tell you right now, if we go to overtime, like say we go another hour, we go into overtime. You're not lasting. I'll be good. That arm is falling. I just keep moving. That's yeah. all. So uh, but before we get into our new little uh, game 
slash segment here. Uh, I quick wanted to break down UFC 245 real quick. Usually we do stay in your lane. I'm going to be honest, I had a lot on my plate today. Didn't want to do extra homework. So no stay in your lane. That's no problem with me. But UFC 245 is this weekend. Uh, and they always save the best card for last uh, to close out the year, correct? And when we got UFC 245, we're talking about the main event, Colby Covington, Kamara Usman. Um, this is an intriguing matchup from the standpoint of you have two wrestlers. Kamara Usman's never been taken down. Colby, arguably, probably the better wrestler. So when wrestling cancels out, you have striking. So you have the power of Usman taking on the cardio and the output of Colby Covington. And obviously, Colby Covington, uh, being best friends with Donald Trump, adds a little more of a narrative as well. Want to keep an eye on Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky, kind of the unheard of name from Australia, has been on a nice little win streak. Max Holloway, obviously one of the GOATs. Um, I think Max Holloway, the taller fighter, gets it done here. Honestly, Kamar and Colby, I have no idea. And then the last, another title fight. Three title fights on this card. You got Amanda Nunez, Jermaine Duran made the rematch that took place back in 2013. Amanda Nunez is really the GOAT. And how the UFC has not promoted her, I have no idea. You remember names of like Ronda Rousey, right? Marcy for Ronda Rousey. One yep. of the biggest names ever in the UFC. Well, Amanda Nunez knocked her out. Yep. Amanda Nunez has beat Valentina Shevchenko, the 125er, twice. Uh, she's knocked out Holly Holm. She's knocked out the who's who of women's fighting. But for whatever reason... No one really knows about Amanda Nunez, and, and she's fighting, um, you know, the the third from the top on this card. So tune into that if you can. I'll be breaking that down probably more on Monday with the results there. But Kuz, let's get into our game real quick before we got to say bye for the weekend. So what are you about to do here? Uh, we got five minutes, so I'm just gonna kind of throw some headlines at you, and you guys can kind of take it however you want. Oh, essentially, I'll take it. Let's go. Broncos <laughs> Bron- uh, coach. Crazy. Broncos coach Vic Vangio says the NFL should get rid of divisions altogether. Agree or disagree? Marcel, go ahead. Uh, I disagree. Um, I, I really? Think, yeah, I, I think that no, I, I just don't like it. I just, I just, I don't like the the removal of the, or the disbandment of the divisions. I get where you're coming from, but get where I'm coming from. The Seattle Seahawks right now are ten and three in the NFL. Yes. Yes. Are, okay. they a, are, are they a wild card team, <laughs> or are they a legit contender and shouldn't have to be a wild card team? Well, I mean, if that's the way it falls, they're a wild that's card the way team. It falls. We got the Dallas Cowboys and Eagles sitting at six and seven right now. I do agree with that. Yeah, but I do feel like with the divisions, if if we take away the divisions and we just go from top to bottom, sure, best six. Yeah, I think we also lose a little bit of that that parity a little bit. Like we're going to see the, essentially yeah. the same sixteen or same twelve teams. In the playoffs every single year, we don't have that. You know, let me just play to get in. Because think about it: if it were the best six or best twelve teams in the league uh, and no divisions, Jaguars would not have been the AFC Championship game because they wouldn't have been in the playoffs in 2017. Yeah, I'll let you have the last word because there's other uh, questions here. But you do not win this battle. <laughs> okay, Coos, what else you got? Uh, Dominic Foxworth said on TV the other day that Aaron Rodgers is not one of the top eight quarterbacks in the league. Okay, so let's be honest. This is like hot takes. This is basically where we're rehashing hot takes here. <laughs> that's all this is. You can't. For hey. the people who have been listening since day one, we're doing hot takes today. Okay? Okay. That's fair. Um, I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers not in the top ten? Top eight. Top eight. Marcel's counting. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely in the top uh, top eight. Do you know why? When Devontae Adams was out and the Green Bay Packers were still winning, name me another wide receiver, Marcel, from the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> uh, oh, Alan Don't, Lazard. 
Oh, that's cheating. Maybe that's cheating. Because you know him. He was here. I mean, does Marcellus Lewis count even though he's a tight end? Absolutely. Yeah, he's still a receiver. Jimmy Graham? There you go. There you go. Yeah, good call. Good call. (laughs) But here's my point, though. Like you said, Alan Lazard. Yep. Alan Lazard probably, with all due respect to him, couldn't fit in anywhere else, right? But playing in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, all of a sudden he's a household name, though, right? Like people in Green Bay know who Alan Lazard is. Yeah, fair. And that's the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. So Aaron Rodgers absolutely is a top eight quarterback. I mean, I agree. I think he's top eight. Okay. That one's pretty cut and dry. All right. Uh, probably will be the last one here because we're going to run out of time. We'll Paul, Paul Feinbaum says, I firmly believe that Lane Kiffin is going to be the first Saban disciple to be the GOAT. No. Why? Because Kirby Smart is. Ah, well, <laughs> but has Kirby Smart won the big one yet? He is not, but yeah. he's a hell of a lot closer than Lane Kiffin's going to get. <sighs> Yeah, I think I probably agree with that. Like Lane Kiffin's offensive mind is intriguing, and his his ability to recruit is intriguing. Well, don't don't shake your head because I get it. Kirby Smart's a defensive kind of guy, right? But the way even the SEC is going now, it's all about the offense, man. It's offense. Look at LSU right now. So from that perspective, you know what? Go ahead and put me down for you. I agree. <laughs> wow. Mark it down right now. With, with, with Paul Feinbaum. I feel like me and Paul Feinbaum have zero in common. Go but. figure. Austin Lane's on the lane trade. Oh, you better believe it, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll see you at Thanksgiving, Lane. I know it doesn't work because last name, first name, whatever, man. I still consider you family, dude. <laughs> Oh, who's that? We got one more. No, we we got time for one more. Okay. One more quick one. Uh, Jarvis Landry commented about Odell Beckham wanting out of Cleveland, saying he doesn't want to leave. He isn't trying to leave. Do you believe it? I think Odell Beckham Jr. wants to win the Super Bowl. And through all the antics with New York, and there hasn't really been any antics in, in Cleveland, but I think the guy just wants to win. Like, right, we, we heard the rumors of Odell wanting to leave when? When the Browns were losing. So... I I think I think Odell is going to stick it out because I think he's kind of like a man of his word. People can say whatever they want about him, but I think he's going to try to see this thing through because they do have talent in Cleveland, like we talked about earlier on the show today. I agree. I, I don't think he wants to be out of Cleveland. I think he just wants to win. Yeah. I, mean, I think he would prefer to win in Cleveland. I mean, he's in a great situation. He's playing with with his, with his brother and Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Um, I don't think he wants to get out at all. I think he just like you say, he just wants to win. Whew. All right. Well, that was hot takes. Good to have that back. Maybe we'll rehash it 20 next and 10. week. 20 and, t- 20 and 10? That's what it's supposed to be called. <laughs> it's, that, that, was, that was a hot takes junior, we'll call that, because we got about four or five of them in. Hey, for, for myself, Kuz pushing all the right buttons. For the for the Swagasaurus himself, Marcel Robinson rocking the shades, the Bret Hart hitman shades. And for Brett Marno having safe travels to Oakland, uh, have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday to break down the Jaguars. Hopefully we have something positive to say. But if not, you know where we're going to be at. Same time, same place. Marcel, got anything else to say? I fixed Brent's mic. Brent, Martin, on your microphone. Well, we'll see. It sounds like it's fixed, but we'll, uh, we'll find out Monday. Thanks for joining us. ESPN 690. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.